Welcome to the Deep Dive, round 17 review time. How are you, Dive Folk, and how are you, Mr. Smith? I'm good, Trent. Welcome, listeners. Hope everyone had a good weekend of footy. It was an interesting weekend of footy. Brian Lake's out of jail. We've, you know, Port didn't win, which is a real shock against Fremantle over there. Big shock, and well, there was a few shockers (laughs) and a few shocks right throughout the weekend. (laughs) Definitely a couple of shocks all round. Yeah, absolutely. So, good for footy, though. Good for footy. Well, and it keeps the final eight race just continually going I think this yep. is a good opportunity to have a bit of a look into the eight because it is it is a lot of shifts and you know Essendon with that win against Gold Coast really you know start to obviously keep the the run alive Hawks had a fair chance but lost to Brisbane again yeah yeah North <laughs> lost to Sydney in an epic so yeah, that amazing means, game. Uh, they're just hanging on as well so yeah a lot of results helped team like last week a lot of results helped some teams and results didn't Hinder go away that a lot yeah. of uh, other teams so, well yeah. Richmond are only up by percentage now so it is getting so close yeah, with man. that West Coast win yeah, and now there's a logjam of three teams vying for second position. That's it, yeah. So. No, it's a fascinating season. But firstly, big thanks to our mates at Hopster Home. So Hopster Home is a craft beer delivery service. So check out hopsterhome.com.au. So it's a really good way, guys, to buy craft beer. So they're a subscription service. So what you can do is you can sign up to them and they deliver stock out to you each month. So you can get smaller packs or bigger packs. They curate different packs based upon seasons as well. So you get a couple of IPAs, a couple of pale now they're in the winters a few stouts and coffee porters and things like that which is really cool so definitely check them at hopsterhome.com.au if you use the promo code AFL Deep Dive you get $25 off your first pack which is a really good deal as well and then I was thinking today I keep meaning to mention it but they are really flexible as well so if you think geez I've got a fair bit of beer at the moment might need to pause <laughs> this for two seconds it's really easy to do on the website to pause it and then resume and you know back and forth so Really quality beer that they get access to, and you know, and some small breweries and big breweries from all over the country. So it's really good switched on. That's good that you're not tied into like twelve month commitment or anything like that. No, 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 it's not a lock in sort of see you later, cough up the money Money. type. Yeah. corporate scenario now they, there's two switched on guys from Melbourne that are you know doing a really good job so definitely check them out hopsterhome.com.au let's before we bang into the round let's have a look into the ladder so because yeah. there has just been so many movements and a few of you listeners have said can we look into it each week and I think that's fair enough given we're leading up to finals now and there's just we'll, we'll do it in the review part because we try to keep the preview a little bit shorter. We can't try to keep the preview to about an hour or a bit under. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we don't this, want that one to boil out. This is the real deep dive. This is the significant depth episode. Yeah. So we're they're sort of in the second uh, layer of the Earth's crust for this one. So right. sitting number one, Richmond. So now we've only got six games to go. So to keep that in mind, so Richmond number one, twelve wins. So they're sitting at one hundred and thirty-five percent. So pretty pretty healthy pretty percentage yeah. still. Yeah. I mean, obviously that loss doesn't doesn't help on the weekend, but twelve and four, they're still sitting in a pretty amazing position. Yeah. So obviously something would super drastic would have to go wrong for them not to play finals and not be top two really. Yeah. Well, it's looking like thirteen is going to get you in. So they're going to yeah. obviously win one game out of six. Something. As you say, unbelievable would have to yeah, happen, absolutely. like a, a bowl, a breakout, or something. Yeah, 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 something, so. something that the whole team couldn't basically play. <laughs> play yeah. yeah, so some insane scenario. Unless there's a, a, a drugs thing that happens out between now and then, that's probably Ooh. one of the few things that could. Wow. That, not not to say that that's a, something no. on the boil, but it, I just thought of that then. No. That is another way that it could end, but no. Yeah. The the Tigers and who we'll talk about next uh, in second lad. They're, 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 they're you can lock them yeah. in. Yeah. So Absolutely. the next one also on twelve points, so twelve and four as well. West Coast Eagles sitting on one hundred and twenty two percent. 
So a little bit less in percentage, but obviously still fairly healthy. The Eagles, really quality win against Collingwood as well. Yeah, absolutely. Finally won on the yeah. G. So <laughs> that's going to clear some hoodoos. Um, obviously, it came at an expense. We'll talk about that when we get mm. to the game. But they look really good. The, obviously, the new dimensions of Optus have really helped yeah. them spread on the open spaces of the MCG. And obviously, getting some three superstars of their team back uh, up against a team in Collingwood that lost a few. They did what they did and did it pretty convincingly in the end. That's it. And then we've got Collingwood, even though they did lost, still sitting in a really good position, 11 and 5. So they had a chance to jump, you know, sort of hold that second position. Sitting, yeah, sitting at a good percentage. It's not too bad, 117. So Pi's still looking pretty good with 11 wins with only six games to go still. I mean, they really only... You, I could see them getting to 15, I think, Collingwood. I could see them getting pretty close. They've got a tough next three weeks, but they'll definitely win something out of that for sure. Yeah, because they've only got two games clear of a couple of teams sitting outside of the eight, I think they're not a lot. I mean, it'd be very unusual for them not to play finals. Yeah. But obviously, because there's so much competition for the final spots now. Mm. And any, for me personally, from third down, for all the teams that are in consideration, anything can happen with those teams. I've only, I'm only convinced on two teams. Teams playing, uh, being locked in for the finals. At the yeah, moment. I think the top two are definite locks in. I, I think Collingwood aren't necessarily a lock in for the top four, but I personally mm. think they're a lock in for the top eight. I think yeah. they've won enough games now. They're going to get to at least you know fourteen wins as a bare minimum. I reckon they'll win three from here for sure. They might you know go half and half with the remaining six, but they're, they're definitely still in it. And then Sydney sitting eleven and five as well. So this is sort of a real bottleneck in the middle. There's three terms all on forty four points. So Sydney sitting on one hundred and seventeen point three. So only you know point three percent off. So it is it is so tight. You know and. People talk about, you know, little one percenters and, you know, points, score conversions, all that sort of stuff can cost you. Well, look at when you get back into the, you know, round 17, 18, it clearly clearly does. Because that's the thing. And you look at Melbourne last year missed out on finals due to percentage. Like, it it obviously costs you. Yeah, percentage is super important at this time of the year. I mean, obviously, four points is number one. And the more wins you you rack up, the the better your chances. But if you can really nail home a huge victory, it definitely helps your chances of, A, getting into the top and then moving out the rank and getting a home final or whatever the case may be. But that's still, I mean, obviously massive win against North in one of the games of the season. Oh, so huge credit to them to, to get above. And it helped that the next team, so Port Adelaide sitting at 11-5, and five, so they've dropped down with Port. So they're sitting at 115%. So same points as Sydney, but slightly less percentage. But they had what was, I think Freo, we don't normally talk odds, but Fremantle were, you know, eight, nine bucks out. Like they were, you know, a long yeah. way out before the game. Of all the upsets having this round, this is probably the most It's the shocking. biggest one, yeah. yeah. I probably, I mean, given how... Now, you know, with no Fife, no Sandalance, just so, so many negatives. So woeful the week before. They were horrendous the week before. I mean, yeah, it's it, it was yeah. incredible for so that to happen. Yeah, so they'll, they, when I think we touched it on a couple of weeks ago. Like, There's games now where teams will look back and, and they'll really regret the mm. result. And this is the one that I reckon for Port, this is top two done now for them. I, I think they can still play uh, finish top four and get the second chance, but I don't think they can finish top two anymore. Well, it, it absolutely hurt them. And I think they had a golden opportunity and obviously it was quite close at the end of the game. We'll obviously get into why, but yeah, geez, losing the two keys 
to injury and then everything that yeah. happened around. Yeah, so that doesn't help. And then moving to sixth position, Melbourne, you know, did what they had to do against the Doggies, sitting with 10 and 6. So still a pretty healthy percentage. You know, obviously they had some massive wins all year. So sitting at 130.2. So if they can get a few more wins on the board, that's really going to help. Yeah, absolutely it is. Yeah, they're, they're probably the smoky for me now for that top four because of that percentage. Yeah. Uh, it's so big. Uh, they're going to have to lose a couple of games by big, big margins to, to drop any significant um, percentage points there. Yeah, and they've got a, they've got an interesting run home. And the big thing that could hurt them is Viney out. So Viney's done a foot. So he looks like he's out for four to five weeks, I would say, as a bare minimum. Minimum. So that that's obviously not ideal. We will get into that obviously in the game, but yeah, big big percentage. So if Melbourne can win a, a couple more and if Port drop a little bit, geez, they're 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 in a big right big top position, yeah. yeah. And then next, uh, two more from the eight. So then we've got the Giants with a you know really quality win against the Tigers. So they're sitting you know right amongst it all of a sudden again. So sitting nine six, and then they did have the one draw. It's only been the one draw this year. Giants with hundred and eleven percent. So the Giants really quality win. They've you know obviously getting. Kelly back and Green they had back as well and getting you know so many of their key pieces back and then their kids are starting to lift so it's all coming together coming together for them and I, they're the, probably the only team at the moment that does not care about what their percentage is they just want to rack up wins I don't think they can I think no. this and they, you know they're going to play some some decent sides between now and the yeah. end of the year as well so it's I think they're 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 a clear chance now to stay into to finals for a long time I think you and I were sort of pondering geez do North or or Hawthorne kind of sneak in and do Giants miss but I just don't know anymore. Well, well that's the thing because Hawthorne North to a lesser degree Melbourne have lost a couple of games where they, they, where they all should have won that's really opened up the uh, the door for GWS to sneak in Absolutely. and also Sydney uh, Sydney Essendon as well now I reckon are still still smoky. The other really damaging one so going to 8th position now the Cats sitting 9 and 7 so that, that went against Adelaide so they, you know, they won the clearances, won contested possessions on Thursday night. They absolutely could have won Won that game. Just some of their chain players and some of the, some of the youth just really let the, the top yeah. tier down. And we've talked about it all year that the, the two big issues with Geelong is obviously they they really would love a key ruckman if they had a quality ruckman in there. It pretty much changes that whole side, I think. And you look at a lot of the top sides have excellent ruckmans, and in a lot of ways, it's been the year of the ruckman. But the other thing for, for Geelong too that's a massive challenge is the, the gap from that top tier to the bottom tier is, is, is a clear yeah, struggle. absolutely. I totally agree. And uh, aside from probably um, Kelly the, of the Young Brigade, uh, the rest are, are starting to show either a bit of fatigue or just not enough point. And that's that's just a part of being a young player yeah. to really stand up in these crunch games. But uh, yeah, look, Adelaide, really good win, but I, I don't think it's enough to get them into the finals. No, year. and we'll get to them in a sec. But yeah, yeah. In terms of Geelong's youth, and we will get into this further. But yeah, Geelong you know, were Geelong were yeah. unlucky. I thought though they they probably they should have won looked, that game. Looked just as good um, on the night, and yeah, obviously as you mentioned, the key indicators stars, they all won. Yeah, Danger had a gun game. Abbott was solid. Both Selwoods were really really good. Yeah. Hawkins was pretty uh, solid. He was well, really good. So. Yeah, it was really buzzer and a couple of these kids that let them down. I thought Henry as well. You know, normally he's just so consistent, but yeah, we will, we will get further into that game, but. That, that doesn't help losing that one. So sitting just on the edge of the eight, Geelong only by percentage on the same amount of wins and losses North and Hawthorne now. So there's a real logjam between eighth and tenth. So sitting at ninth North with, you know, they're 
played probably the best I've seen a team play that lost the game. So mm. nine and seven sitting with 114%. So they were unbelievable. And geez, what they've achieved this year, I think is is about as good as nearly anyone. I think they've been excellent. Given yeah. where they were last year. Yeah, and just the lack of uh, any pressure from the outside world on them. They just, and they've been, it's been great for them. They've been able to play their own brand of footy. Yeah. Scotty's obviously got them um, playing something that works to all of their strengths. They don't rely on one or two players all the time. Mm. They've they just and they bring a great brand of football to watch. I'm still surprised that not more North supporters go and see their team play. It's uh, phenomenal. Yeah, not an amazing. Oh, look, it was an okay crowd against Sydney, but not not incredible. And then so same same points as well. So Hawthorne with you know another loss to Brisbane and a game that we certainly tipped Hawthorne to win down in Tasmania nine and seven as well for the Hawks. And this shows you how close the season is. As as I said before. North sitting at 114.2 and Hawks sitting at 114 flat. So 0.2%. Like it is just that tight. Yeah, so yeah, pretty disappointing from Hawthorne. Not because of the loss, but just the way they went about the losses. We'll talk about it in the actual game, but uh, they're down in their fortress um, against a young team. They should have won this and, and really uh, what's the word? Locked it locked, in. Locked, locked themselves in the, in the, uh, in the top eight and, and got that break, that extra game break against the two teams that just behind him now. Well, a big reason why we thought the Hawks were a smoky to sneak in was their run home. So to drop a game like that is pretty frustrating because they, they had serious chance to, to, especially with a couple of the losses over the last month, to really hold that position. So, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. Not one, uh, one, one week at a time, all of a sudden, the run home doesn't look that no. easy for Hawthorne, which I don't know why everyone thought they had the easiest run home. It was like, it's still to play Geelong, Essendon, and um, West Coast. Another team in the A, I'm like, that's oh Sydney, that's who. Yeah, so some decent teams there. But then I think you've also got Gold Coast, like you've got a few Col- busted got, us. Got Carlton Gold Coast. Yeah, yeah. well that, that, <laughs> that, that was more. I think some, <laughs> some other teams around that mark. Yeah, I think had a no. Yeah, worse all the run. teams that are fighting out for the eight have all got some t- pretty challenging yeah. runs home. So so then next Adelaide. So with that win there, Royce Lyon signing and giving him a bit of inspiration, sitting in eight and eight. So yeah. 50% through this year, 98%. So 50 would be terrible. 50 from wins to losses, but 98%. So pretty pretty average percent. And I think Adelaide... I think, look, yeah, Adelaide are going to really struggle. Obviously, uh, they're a chance. It's, it's, it's possible with six games to go. Obviously, mathematically, they're still very in it, as are Essendon next. So they're also sitting same amount of points, eight and eight, so 97.7. But... Really, those two teams, Adelaide and Essendon, they're the two, I think, that are going to really fight it out. And you can argue that between those those four outside the eight, so North, Hawthorne, Adelaide and Essendon, it is really hard to argue who's in better form. It's it's going to be fascinating from here. No, no one's yeah, going to Yeah, they've been up, down, up, down for the last few weeks, each of them now. That's the thing. It's going to be very difficult to predict what happens from here. And then sitting at 13th, who's still a mathematical chance... Fremantle, but quite unlikely sitting with seven. So they'd have to win every game from here uh, to get to 13, which would, would get them in. Uh, obviously unlikely, but they technically are, are still a chance. So sitting with seven wins and nine losses. And then after that, so Doggies, Saints, Brisbane, Gold Coast, and Blues. All out of the finals race. So Well and truly out of the Well, it's it physically impossible. So they're, they're, they're all out. So yeah, that's a bit of a, a recap of the ladder. We'll obviously go through the games now, but it is interesting 
interesting to look through it given how close it's going to be and we are going to look at it each week leading up to finals at the start of the review because it is so tight and there's different things to sort of look at it's nice to recap it before I think we get into the games yeah absolutely it is yeah so we all uh, sort of have an idea of uh, how it potentially could pan out over the next few weeks yeah especially when we talk you know it's it's hard obviously <laughs> with audio format to kind of go through those specifics we are going to do some video content soon which we are going to use to sort of you know look at the ladder a bit as well which makes it a bit easier in video format because the viewer can sort of see what we're looking at and so on and so forth but I think it is interesting before we lead in to sort of look at percentages and where everybody's sitting because it is so so tight I know everyone keeps saying that but when you read through it it's it, it's pretty yeah absolutely. pretty insanely close so and especially now that you can look ahead and go okay well the next five games well there's only six more to play yeah. so you can really get an idea of where each of the teams are at uh, who's got the better run home to, mm. to, to um, sneak a, a final spot or get the top spot or top four, whatever the case may be. And I, that's why I really like the Giants at the moment. They've probably got a fairly easy run home compared to all of the other teams and they're already in the eight. So I think they stay there. Those probably. teams are really pushing for that last few but, spots. I mean, as this season's shown, it's going to go up, it's going to go down. down, and who the hell knows? One injury here and there, or yeah, who knows? Well, as who you said really at knows? the start, yeah. there's really not that much that's a lock-in. There really is yeah, it like the, there's really only a couple of teams that you can legitimately say are going to probably be almost certainly in that position yeah absolutely. it's Nostradamus stuff still at this point which is great we're heading into you know round 18 and it's super exciting we still don't know who's going to be top four who's going to be top eight who's just going to miss out there's three real blocks where we just don't know still yeah so it'll be fascinating to see what happens and it, the season is a lot closer and we've seen you know St Kilda have a decent month they're actually looking okay Brisbane obviously looking excellent so, so we'll We'll definitely get through that, but it is super, super close. So yeah. let's start with Thursday night. So Adelaide versus Geelong, 112 to 97. The Crowies by 15 points. Interesting game. And as we said in the latter recap just now, Adelaide were really good, obviously, and, and full credit to them. But Geelong, I think, will rue this one. And I saw Dangerfield speak after the game saying, you know, look, sometimes there's games when a team is clearly better than you and on the day and you just have to say, look, they were better than us, and, and it is what it is. But you could see in his face, and he basically said that it's, you know, this is a, a great example of a game that we really should have won. Yeah, so, and it was, it's, it's a weird, it was a weird feeling for me because at no time throughout the game, or not much of the time, game, were Geelong ever in front. But you always felt that oh, they, no, yeah. they, they just needed to turn it on for a 10 or 15 minute patch mm. and put some scoreboard pressure on, and then it was going to be how, how, how far. But they, they never did. Um, Obviously, Adelaide stuck their no, heels so Geel- in. And Geelong were... led in the first quarter, but outside of the first quarter, they, there was no specific leads. They were leading at points, not at the end of the quarter, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so the, the, most of the game, they were never in front. No, 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 but yeah. they, which is unusual because I felt like they were play, playing better football, Absolutely, like you were saying, yeah, yeah, and they were yeah. going to get in front, and then once well, they, they were winning front, all the key indicators. Yeah, so and, and they just looked better when they had the ball, but uh, they just couldn't do it on the uh, main major stat of the the game, which is uh, scoreboard pressure, uh, kicking goals, which is unfortunate. But yeah, as as I was saying, Adelaide stuck their heels in. They were very good defensively. They just kept rebounding it back out of their back half, and um, obviously a team that's known for scoring heavily uh, started to get a little bit of their mojo back in front of goals. 
Eagles on the weekend. Yeah, that's it. And some some really interesting things to take out of this game. I mean, early on, the Cats were going at 80% by foot to the Crows 52, and that was really detrimental to their start. So that first quarter, the Cats were, were playing pretty well, and their ball movement just looked a lot better. And they actually started really well. I think they did exactly what they wanted to do for the whole game, but they only really did it for about 20, 25 minutes, yeah. which doesn't help. And so the only, only major negative to take out of this game for Adelaide is that Tex Walker hit on Tui, so we got a week. I don't think they're going to contest it, so that's it is what it is. It's you know it'd be pretty hard to, to argue that one, so he's going to miss next week. I thought Ablett was really good throughout the night. I thought he responded to the, the criticism during the week. I mean, you, you know, don't, I wouldn't poke the bear. As we've said, he's not going to be that player that he was, and we have been critical of him defensively. I thought he was a bit better. But again, you know, he's that he's going to be if they play him in the mid, he's going to be that chain player. He's not going to be that bull that can you know really rip through and just you know provide amazing defensive pressure. No, not at all. And if the team structures are set up that allows to have a player like Ablett to do that role, I'm all for it. I don't think I think it's bad just if you're watching it on the television where it looks like he could chase a defender or an opposition player and he doesn't, but you sometimes a bit hard he might he might be 15 meters away on the side not five meters so why is he going to gas himself for no point when he knows he can't get there so yeah it, it, it is tough when you're at the ground you get a better idea of where he's at and all that type of stuff like other players but yeah I, I think he can just let him be he's gas well I think if they can use him as that chain player it's not end of the world but I mean look it, it was a bizarre game but we'll start let, let's start from a crow's perspective because they, they did win the game that's usually where we we begin. They, they were really good, and they, they hung in there, and and they you know they pushed just at the end of that first quarter, and and they stuck to their plan, and, and it worked. I thought Laird was enormous. You know, it's actually only been the second time this year the Crows have, have got to 100 points, so it, it does show what a night they had. Yeah. Whereas what they it was every second or third game they were scoring 100 points last year. So. Well, they, they, their percentage last year was enormous. They finished top of the ladder. Yeah. So yeah, look, I think that the Crows inside pressure was a hundred times better than what it's been. So they, they, they will go through the stats at the end of the game, but there was a quarter where they laid just over, I think it was just over a quarter, where they laid 10 tackles inside 50. So they, they've been averaging around four or five in a game. So that, yeah, that, wow. that was a significant difference. And that, that's a real, especially in modern footy, that is a serious key indicator. I thought the halfback really improved as well. I thought their, you know, their handball intercepts were, were really good. You know, just everything across the board, they were using the fat side of the ground better. Their switching was better. They, they were really, really good. At, and full credit to them, I, I just think that with the level that I think that a lot of the top of Geelong, it was shocking to see them lose this game in some ways. But Tex wasn't great, but, you know, he, I still think he's physically struggling. Sloan, you know, was, was pretty good. Jenkins, you know, he tried. It was a quality even game, though. So, so much of it was, you know, your Atkins. Like, he is great. Like, he is such a good player. You know, his, his ability to, to dodge and he's just got such beautiful pace as well. Like, he just, he provides that kind of Jason Johansson type run. You know, he's, he's excellent. Gallucci, I really like as yeah. well. He looks fantastic. It was, I, a, it was a fascinating game. I really like Tom Lynch's performance. Yeah. He can be their, um, their um, whipping boy often. He can go missing and whatnot, but I thought he, he stood up and I'm 
obviously he kicked some important goals, had four for the night, but he went at 90% efficiency. So he was he was really good, but not just kicking goals, um, getting his team into the into the game as well. So yeah, definitely. Especially when you got Tex down, as, as you just mentioned. Oh, yeah, I agree. I reckon he's he's still got a, a niggling injury. There's something I, wrong with him. Yeah, and I, I, in his hips, it's or his foot, foot as well. So well he's, got, yeah. he's had foot issues this year. So, so I don't think yeah, it's just really starting to to wear on him now, and he, he looks slow. He just he can't get into position as much as he would like and what you'd expect him so it's good to see some of those other players around him starting to step up and take on a leadership role like they did yeah the, the other one too to really highlight out of Adelaide's game I thought Wayne Malira was fantastic so you know his quality out of halfback as well that's the thing like this was a big key to why the Crows are able to win his run and carry out of halfback is just unreal I, I really like him but yeah it's a it's a fascinating game I thought the Crows defense were going shorter outside of their 50 and they would fake the long so that 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 was an interesting tactic that worked so as they were coming in you know that they would sort of fake the long kick you know sort of you know lead in as though they were going to go really deep and then just do a nice short chip but the, the crows forwards leaded fairly well as well to to match that so it was really good i mean it is it's it's funny like this you know there's always two sides of the coins in these interesting games that you know the cats jeez i mean buzzer cost them a lot of times you know he, he was brought in and he you know his marking just was so frustrating Stanley he's he still hasn't he's still so inconsistent you know one minute he'll take some unbelievable mark and then you know Chris Scott you know he tried to mix it up you know he put buzzer in the in the ruck to try to get him involved in the game and build his confidence up a little bit but that didn't really work either and it was it was a funny old game from that perspective and you know interesting game but doesn't doesn't really help the cats either with cockatoo injured again so he's got injured in the VFL so within a not in a really short passage of time issues again so it's not ideal for the cats and you know that they, they still can't find the pieces that they're they're really gonna need. no you think well we thought for the last couple of weeks they had worked it out and everyone was playing some beautiful football they looked um, on song they looked like they knew what uh, everyone's role was but then they come up against Adelaide and just obviously there's a bit about six Six to eight of their core senior players that all doing extremely well and leading from the front. Obviously, Dangerfield had a extremely powerful game um, in the midfield. There, it was huge. Uh, Scott Scott and uh, Joel Sell were, were pretty good without being super um, noticeable, but they did what they had to do just to help Danger. You could t- they could just tell that Danger was on, so let him uh, go out and lead from the front. But then you go down to like I thought Blixarves was a bit quiet. I thought Guthrie um, was missing. Collegesny. These, these guys that you've mentioned were fairly all out. So, yeah. It's a funny game in that to which point do you talk? Because, you know, great the Adelaide Rabble to do this. I, I know I, I'm saying it with a bit of pessimism, and I think it is also that I look at it too, that, you know, did Sloan have to sign the contract before they all decided to play a bit better? Like, it was, it did sort of smell a little bit of that in that... <laughs> It will, because even even the coach admitted that after the game. He said, yeah, look, it was a clear lift. And it's sort of, it's frustrating. And from an outsider thinking, well, that's good, but... Mate, we're about to get into round 18. I mean, we're fairly into the season now. So he clearly had other offers on the table. So I, that, that must have been having a, an impact internally. 
Clearly, clearly. I mean, it's that. There's no look at this. Like you know, as a, in terms of their you know tackles inside fifty, to have a turnaround that much, that's not a not an accident. Like, oh, absolutely not. And I get why teams and players do it, but at the same time, it's very clear now that if there's something going on behind closed doors, but it's not private, like a contract negotiation, yeah, it affects everyone. So I, I like the concept of if you've made a decision in your head, just be open because mm. a you'll feel better. About it as a player, the team will just go. Oh, finally, we know what's going on, yeah. and then you can just get on with the game at hand because it's clearly, especially the last few years, there's only been a handful of free agents that have gone on to continually play good footy without signing with the team that they're playing for, and the team's done well. Um, so I think just get over yourselves and just <laughs> tell tell people where you're at and just be honest with it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting point. I mean, the, yeah, look, at, oh, it's it's obviously not the major factor out of the game, and I don't I don't want to take away from the Crows win but at the same time it did feel a bit funny that you know it was something like that that had to do it and that's look it is good that that he re-signed and it is really good for South Australian football that, and certainly for the Crows that they're able to keep another elite person and not another person go yeah. not that long after Dangerfield as well and it just sort of keeps piling up you know, Tippett and so many other players that have gone and Gunston and so many really quality yeah, would players have been, that have left that side. I would have really questioned the uh, overall feel of that club had Sloan oh, left just out massively. of the blue. Because it had, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, obviously, the, there's always that draw to come back to your home state mm. and good on Adelaide for putting His together... His wife's pregnant as well. Yeah, good on Adelaide for putting the deal together that they needed to Pretty to keep him there. Big deal. Big deal, massive deal. But if you're going to keep players like that in your club who are... The, the, yeah, heart and soul have been there. He's, he's helped to get a lot of success to that club because he is such a good player and he showed from uh, the, the sealer uh, towards the end of the game just how good of a player he is. And hopefully the rest of... Well, yeah, you hope that some other big players at other clubs start to just stay with the club that have picked them and nurtured them and got them to where they are because... If they can offer you success... Yeah, they've got to offer a a decent contract and and a worthwhile contract. If you look into it from the outside, you could say, well, Sloan was probably just waiting for that extra year to be added to it. The Victorian clubs would have been four years and much more money. But stability now, he gets it five years. That's probably how many years he's got left of good footy and he can retire being a one-club Well, he'll be 34 when that contract ends. So so he's not going to be young. No, and that means he can (laughs) raise his kid and... Laugh, laugh, we'll, yeah. Pile of cash, <laughs> we'll in front of cash. I get a I'll probably get a Channel Seven job. <laughs> but that's look a little little bit pessimistic. But to be fair, like I, I think I thought it was something that was worth pointing out. But I get I guess we'll pivot to a positive for the Crows. One thing that I did really like was their ability to adjust during the game. So so many games this year. You'll see halfway through the game and you can see the deficiencies, but they're just not able to adjust them during the game. So earlier on, and this is why I think that you know the cats were able to exploit this, Adelaide were going inside fifty really slowly and just poorly. Like they were just picking poor angles, leads weren't great, structure wasn't great, but they were able to adjust as the game went on. And that's that's a really positive sign. And look with that win, they they keep themselves in the race and, and gee wouldn't it be amazing if they just snuck into the finals just snuck yeah and it helps though this is a again and we've talked about it a number of times as those are on house the injuries have really hurt the Crows Clearly, throughout the year yeah. but now that they've got some of those players back you can see what they're capable of and obviously if they can get the uh, nucleus of that team back together for 2019 they'll have another strong run at it yeah. I think if they make finals this year wow if they get even a couple more senior players off that injury list to play then they might 
just be a little bit of a, a, a hoodoo team for some of those teams that'll be there. But I, I, I'm, I can't see it happening. I think they're just too far back in the in the race now, especially with that horrible percentage. Probably, yeah. It's looking looking a bit unlikely, but yeah, it, it's it's it is they are still a chance and, mm. and good on them. But I tell you what, uh, one thing I would say. So when it comes to Geelong, is the Cats' issues are not Gary Ablett. And the amount of issues that people pin to when it comes to Geelong to Ablett, I just think people need to take a, a broader look at this side because it, he is not the major issue. No, not at all. I, it's hard to pinpoint because you, you get one team one week and then some of those players, as we've both pointed out, go missing and you sit there and go, oh, hang on, is it the structure from the opposition that have just done their homework and realised that, okay, if we stop this guy from running or if we push them to their uh, weak side, they're just going to have no influence is it the fact that they've what blooded seven eight seven kids? debutants and it's not just for one or two games. A no, lot of no. them have played seven, eight, ten, thirteen games now. Mm. Is it too much strain on their body? Are they taking on? You don't know. Everyone, every player, obviously reacts differently to different environments and different circumstances. You can look at some of the top debutants this year from other clubs who have played twelve, thirteen, or almost all of the games, and they're actually getting better as the season goes on. So, it, yeah, it's tough. And look definitely, the, definitely, look at the Sydney kids. Yeah, Sydney kids, Brisbane kids. Um, uh, to a lesser degree, uh, the kids at... Cannes. I was going to say no. Cannes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> they got lots of them. They're right? still terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. In, in overall, interesting game. I mean, you know, good on the Crows for, you know, capitalising on on the good news throughout the, out the week and, you know, ha- having a bit more synergy throughout there and, you know, a massive credit goes to that half-back line for really holding things up and you know I, I think I thought Wayne Malira was almost the player of the of the ground to be honest from from Adelaide I thought he was fantastic and his numbers are good but yeah if you watch that game he was amazing and it was a bizarre scenario to see you know a lot of the top tier of the you know 26 and above aged Geelong players you know Hawkins Dangerfield Ablett both the Selwoods a bunch of them all play pretty much B plus as a bare minimum games and still lose. Yeah. And it just shows you that are they that are they just that two top ended in terms of this, you know, B plus A grade talent and then they've just got so many C grades. I was gonna say there's not enough Bs no, in the, in the not, team not at the many. moment. No. And that's the problem. And and a lot of their kids just struggled under pressure. And I the Cats pressure was good throughout the game. Adelaide's pressure was was pretty solid as well. But it wasn't like the pressure was insane same and I think a few of the times where and I know I keep singling him out but Buzzer especially like the amount of drop marks even Henry he was normally pretty good I think maybe just a few of them had an off night but yeah look interesting game and I think I think for me yeah look Cats are still clearly in the mix that they've won enough and they've got a bunch of games still at home but gee they it would have, if had they won this one it definitely you know releases that pressure valve just a bit it does yeah and uh, I guess the game overall went into the style that the Crows would prefer to play compared to the Cats. Uh, if you said yeah. to the Crows, one one team's going to score 100 and the other's going to score 90, they go, yeah, we'll have that type of game. Whereas the Cats would probably prefer a, an 80 to 70 type scoreline. The, they've got much better defensive mechanisms. And obviously, Menzel's only just coming back into that forward line. Still too much resilience on Hawkins. And he's been playing great footy for the last month. But you can't just rely on the big fella to, to kick a winning score week in, week out. It's just too much for him. One other brief thing before we look into a few of the stats as well was Menzel was pretty much a liability. 
Like, he, he was not even close to being ready to come back. Like, that was one of the reasons I thought, oh, maybe we go with the the Anthony for the OKC. Possibly. I nearly wrote that down in my notes. Because <laughs> I thought he, you might. <laughs> because it was, it, I thought that when I was watching it. Because he, he was not even remotely ready to be back. Like, I don't know what testing they did on him during the week. Was it, hey, can you run five metres? Oh, tick. Tick. Bing. No, pa- no pain. No, you're yeah. right. Because <laughs> he looked ridiculous on the night. I felt really bad for him because he just looked, you know, 30% off AFL level as a bare minimum, let alone being able to play can, in this can, game at this pace. Can I throw in a footy cliche? He'll be better for the run. I don't think he, <laughs> he might be embarrassed be. for the run because he, 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 this was struggle town. Yeah. He was okay in the VFL. Like, we were watching him. We were excited to see him running again. And anyway, we'll look into the stats. So, 73% disposal efficiency to the Crows to 67. So, you know, obviously just that little bit. You know, efficient and, you know, the, obviously a much better spread throughout Adelaide's team and, and, and just more people that were accurate on the night, whereas it was only really the top end of Geelong that were really quality good. and yeah. then the bottom end massively let them down. So uncontested possessions, 264 to 218 and then contested, 152 to 169. It's a, look, marks inside 50, 10 to 8, clearances. Look at that, look how many clearances. So 54 to 27. So Geelong won the clearances easily. Yeah, but then it was balanced out with the next stat line with the... Exactly. Clangers, almost twice the amount of clangers. It was thirty-eight to sixty-four. Not in favour, but um, the higher number there was Geelong there, so and not then, ideal. No, and then Crows twenty-one tackles inside fifty, which is really good. And that for in an AFL game, that's that's a really good number to yeah. hit. And then thir- even thirteen is pretty good to the Cats, so that was still pretty good. And inside fifty is fifty-six to fifty-five, so e- even basic amount of chances. Just what they ended up doing with it, but. Just the amount of times of play during this game where for the Cats where their link player, either the second or third link out of the centre, you know, entering into their offensive structure was poor. Like just consistently that if that player even played five, ten percent better, they were a big chance to win this game. There was just so much polish throughout the ground. And Hawkins was marking it from everywhere. Yeah. He had sticky fingers again. He was fantastic. So we'll keep moving because this it is a game we probably could keep going more into. I think some of the other factors we can look at the um, in the preview because it's a bit more sort of injury based and few other sort of you know deficiencies and stuff we might chat a bit more in the preview yeah I think it's a as a final note it's, it's a warning it was a warning game for Geelong I yeah. think the, this will be that little hot poker that, yeah kick out the <laughs> ass. and I think it, it's, it's a good sign for Adelaide uh, that they're heading in the right direction for next year but if they could sneak into the final eight for the year they might cause a couple of upsets or at least one yeah, and maybe Cats as well a bit tired after playing Sydney. You know, I mentioned about four or five weeks ago that often teams this year that have played Sydney lose the following week. Yeah, yeah. There was a stack of... I, I, I wrote it out. This was about a month ago. There was a whole bunch of losses where it, uh, if it, once a team had, had played against them, even if they'd, they'd won, right. so Port... They had that massive game against them at the SCG and just got over them by you know two or three goals. It wasn't a massive margin, and then they lost the following. I nearly lost the following week to Brisbane, but there was a there's a heap of them was, through the year. It's like so, five and one. Or yeah, it was. It? Yeah. I, 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 yeah. Loss win ratio. I right? ended up stopped bringing it up because it, it was you know it's one of the, it's a, it's just probably a weird stat, but maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. They are a very physical side, so but we'll we'll keep moving because I think you know we we could keep going, but I think a lot of the other stuff we can probably do in the preview. So next game, uh, so the Oz kick was on the whole match at this one. So not just half time. They just had the kids on full Oz kick, full time, full time Oz kick. So Except it was under sixteens <clears> versus <throat> under eights. St Kilda Saints, one hundred and sixteen to 
some witches hats that were a sort of a, a pale grey colour. 52. 64 points. So, Canton have lost to the seven inside by 65 points. And then they just lost to another very bottom side by 64 points. So, they lost by 20 goals over two weeks. And they look unbelievably bad. And you better love us for sitting through this game. Because this was garbage. This was... This was uh, it's St Kilda. Yeah, we'll, we'll obviously get heavily into that. And that's great. But this was embarrassing. That's one way of putting it. I'm glad I wasn't sitting too close to the television. I was out, so I had it up on the wall, silent, thank goodness, uh, watching it. But you, we talked about some of the poor linking of the Geelong. Oh, wow. Mate, there's about three <laughs> players in Carlton that know how to link up. That last game was a serious two of them standard. Are bro- two of them are brothers, so they should know how to link yeah, up. Yeah, and Kate and Simpson. Other, yeah, but he wasn't. Yeah, and, uh, and then no, obviously but... the guy that's carrying the club on his sh- shoulders in crit. So they've got about four or five players that can walk away at the end of the year with their head held high and that is about it the rest of them either need to think is AFL actually their career and if it is they need to do some seriously soul searching because it is woeful what they're putting to on the field it's sickening and you know I think what the you know if I, if I was a member of Carlton I mean you'd, you'd basically think I'm flushing my money down the toilet I mean there's no, there's no other way to look at it like they, you know, I saw before the game, you know, that all the the team and some officials and coaches were all sitting around in a circle before the game, and I thought, oh yeah, here we go. And then they started okay, and they played about you know twenty odd minutes, ten minutes, yep. and that's it. Same old Carlton, you know, complete inability to defend. You know, Rook was poor, Liam's poor, like it was just you know consistently so bad, and. As it went on, the Saints were able to run around them very, very easily. Just the Blues would just cough it up, cough it up, cough it up. Yeah, it was just yeah, it was it was pathetic in a lot of ways. So you know, pretty stock standard Carlton storyline. Cruiser got injured, so he had a heart Again. fluttering, and then which he is really sad. Came out in a helmet, yeah. and oh god, this poor guy. Yeah, and really, I know it's sad, and you don't want to say it to him, but he oh, he seriously needs to consider retiring for his. Just his own life, basically. Yeah. And longevity and all that type of stuff. But um, as we normally would do, we'll uh, swing into... Start with the winners. Winners yeah. and, and swing into the it Saints. It is hard not to, because the, oh. the Carlton are the worst side I can remember saying. Yeah, they, they're probably worse than the Fitzroy team of the late 90s. So we were speaking about this 90s, earlier, so yeah. Michael's a little bit older than me. I, I don't remember that as much, whereas you're a bit older, so yeah. you saw it. And like it's I, a very different scenario. <clears throat> Fitzroy knew that the actual time was at an end. They, yeah. The club was folding. They were going to the Gold Coast technically, but they said Brisbane, but no, technically they went to the Gold Coast, which mm. is like, oh, who wants to go there? Nothing survives there. <laughs> still so, true. Yeah, still true. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's changed. So that's a different scenario. So you can, especially in the final year, 96, I think it was, you can understand why they, most of the players were like, well, what's the point? What are we going to win for? So we can win a play finals and then never play as Fitzroy again. You can, mentally nobody was up for it. So, no. um, and the fact that they're all going to split, it wasn't like they just took that whole team and moved them interstate. Everyone no. got separated and whatnot. So, whereas Carlton, well, they've had that many high draft picks. They've got a young coach. They've got so much bloody power and influence in the, in the boardroom. You would think they had everything going for them for the last few years as well yeah to um, start putting a good team on the plate but they haven't so um, Saints did win and win well they did but I don't know how you can read into it that all their players started to find form no so they were exactly so I think with this game and we you know once we got past you know the midway mark of the 
year when it comes to games that feature two teams that are completely out, out of the finals race and cannot make it, we're, we're not going to go too heavily into this game because there's just too much to talk about with the other games. And I think a lot of listeners would, would far and away prefer to hear us talk about games that you know either A, had a, a, a big impact with, with Hawthorne and Brisbane in terms of you know someone very close to the eight. You know, maybe that was the one they'll rue. But then obviously Jedebus Richmond was a cracker. Yeah. And then North Sydney. So there's too, too much other stuff to talk about, especially with nine games. Yeah. But we'll we go to it. I mean, it, it is, as you say, it, that you summarised it well. It's really difficult to look at because it's, you know, Steele was really good. You know, Membry was good. Marshall, Billings. You know, he's had a good month, actually, Billings. But how do you how do you look at it? I mean, the, the, they were so really good, but then they then were playing they should, but then again, such a horrific be. side. Because I look at it and go, okay. Anyone would be good. Richmond would have won this game by well over 100 points. If, if Carlton had played exactly the way they played against St Kilda on the night, I think West Coast at their strength, I think a few sides at their top strength, yeah, at the top points. of the table, would have been 100 to 120. Yeah, easy. Like, like an insane belting. Like a 15 goal plus plus belting. Yeah, disgusting belting. So, so this, the, like to be fair, them winning by 10 goals, I think Carlton are legitimately that bad. So I, I just, like I think there are a couple of VFL sides that would have got them into trouble. Like I actually, some of the top end, I think Richmond's VFL side for example would have gone okay against them. top end I reckon half the comp in the VFL potentially would. it's yeah. hard to know but I mean so look inside 50s were insane you know that Carlton barely got it for years it, you know it, it was just you know it was a ridiculous game that should never have been on a Friday night and you know obviously they've learnt their lesson from this because the ratings again were, were garbage it's a yeah I mean so top 15 draft picks out there on, on the night so Carlton had 13 and St Kilda had 3 and yet they lost by 10, 10 goals. goals so 7 goals from turnovers at one point like you know this was, this was just a laughable game and if anyone saw this game that was curious about AFL I apologise because this is not the standard. There's the Jed Lamb eye gouge thing, which was terrible. So pretty sickening. Only got a week, which seems insane. So we don't know the tribunal result out of that, but that is what it is. But yeah, I mean, it is really hard to talk about this game because it it really, it does mean pretty much nothing. I I totally agree. I mean, you can say that, oh, Stevens was good, Steele was good, Billings. Fisher, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, but so they should be. And why aren't they playing near this level against other teams? Mm. And yeah, look, obviously they're building for next year now. St Kilda fans and supporters and their team obviously wrote this season off a few weeks ago. And now they're just trying to get some confidence in their structures and game plans. And they did that very convincingly against a team that actually doesn't know what they're doing. No, and you know, it's the same thing. I mean, Geary I thought was good. I thought his pressure was good. But again, playing against, you know, literally witches hats. It's funny, you know, after the game when they were doing the interviews, St Kilda players were like, oh, you know, we had... We had a bit of fun out there. That was that was good. It's good fun to have a big win like that. But I mean, really, after an AFL game, you you shouldn't be you know sitting around barely cracking a sweat and having a joke and having a joke. And then you look at the the Carlton players and they didn't even look that disappointed. No, but stock as you mentioned the other way, it's stock standard now. Oh, ten. Oh, it's not too bad. Ten goal loss. Yeah, well, we almost got to sixty. Twenty points. goal loss would be would be garbage. Like yeah. it's it is getting to that point. So. I think more big picture stuff for me. Do you, do you think Cripps should get out? I, I think he should. If he's looking at having a long football career, and it doesn't matter mean it's going to be highly successful from a team perspective, but he has to hold this club down. 
He literally just drags them out of the dredges into a pit hole because they can't get them out of the pit hole. And I, he's just going to get battered and bruised. He plays such a contested style of football. What do you have, Thirty odd, 33 touches and more than half of them were contested? Yeah. Yeah, he, 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 his body will break down at some point. I just don't want to see like a and generational player get, get destroyed. Yeah, so we're kind of seeing it like at five. Fi- at, at, yeah, with five. And it's going to be disappointing because he, he'll probably get another brand low at some point and, and no probably. flags and hardly any for final success. And I can kind of see that happening with Crips. So it's a team sport, though. Team sport, yep. <clears throat> and I think if he wants, and if he's uh, serious about having a long career, then out. If he's a real loyal person, if then he's he crazy, might, he think. might just stay there. Well, the other, the big problem that Carlton are going to have is that the offers that. The, so, he's, if you don't know, he's a West Australian boy. The offers that he's going to get from Freo and and obviously from West Coast as well will, will be enormous. They'll give him the keys. Uh, no, they'll give him massive offers. So, uh, like he's yeah, it's to the point where it would almost be sad if he is to stay. And Kerno's, I know he signed, he's just re-signed, but he's done something that's quite clever. I don't think a lot of people have realized a for that age he's at. Yeah, he's a bit younger. I think that they overpaid, but they had to because they couldn't have a scenario around what would have been if he's out of contract and not wanting to sign and with, with all the, the cloud over Crips as well. Yeah. So that makes sense. And sometimes you have to overpay and they're barely paying anyone any money anyway. So it, it really a, doesn't make much it difference. It was a three-year deal. So he'll be 24. Exactly. So, so yeah. then he's... Free agency, go up. Yeah. yeah. So, it, like, he, his manager obviously timed that very, very well. He's on a massive deal for that that section of time and, and good on him. But he, he could easily go. Well, let's try to look at some positives. I mean, at least the Carlton, at least they played McKay. So that was good. We've been yelling about it for weeks. So at least they played him. He seemed fine. So that was good. I, I don't know, as we've said for weeks and weeks, and we're just repeating ourselves, and this is that sort of a game. I don't know why they didn't play McKay weeks ago, but whatever. At least he's in. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the main thing to take away for me was just obviously all, all the horrible things, but I'm actually worried like with Cripps in terms of psychologically. Like I just think he's such a good player and it would be such a shame to see it because this club is years away from success. And I know you can turn things around quickly and you look at North and stuff. North have genuine quality. And they didn't and, bottom and gen- out like this. No, th- this, is, this is years away from success. This is years away. And they have a... The big problem as well is they've got a bunch of these guys on their list that are hogging it up. Like Jones is... I'm sorry, I know... You know, the dogs traded him and they could never figure out what he was. And then they put him down in defense. And last year, everybody thought, oh, wow, they found a real defender. But he is average at best. And he's been consistently average for weeks and weeks and weeks. And it's actually going to be really sad to not see these high draft picks get to their full capability. Because they haven't got the support of senior players that can guide them and get them up to where they need to be playing. So you got all these kids and it's fine when you're a GWS where you've got three, four, five years, six years of handouts from the AFL and just keep topping up, topping up, topping up. Carlton don't have that luxury. Yeah, they might get another number one draft pick this year, but whoopie do. They're going to have to give up something to get them in. Not not as in trade or anything, but you can only have so many players on your list. So you have to offload someone. That'll be another senior player. So all of a sudden, it's just a group of under 23-year-olds coming up against men. And the concern as well is you've got so many people on this list that are clearly not part of the future. So you've got 
Sam Rowe, you've got Casbolt, you've got Daisy, you've got all these people that are just hogging spots. And yeah. anyway, but we'll, we'll keep moving because this is this is really not a game no, worth, worth, worth going about. into. The stats, obviously, St Kilda dominate every aspect and, and we, we've got to keep moving. But yeah, look, yeah. horrendous in, in every respect. And I guess, you know, good on St Kilda, but it, it is very hard to gauge when they played such a poor side. And it, it was it was ludicrous. So next week, Carlton have... Hawthorne at Yeah, and Hawthorne need a win. So, uh, I mean, it could, it could easily be another 10-goal loss. Easily. If they play like that, and if the Hawks get back into form, and Warple had a really good game in the VFL, so you think he's going to come back in. So we'll talk about that in the preview. But yeah, yeah I mean, they, they looks like they could get belted again. Next game, so yeah, look, it's 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 hard. I, I, I'm sorry to the St Kilda supporters, but we, we just it makes you know. I'm sure you can appreciate. Obviously, the season's well and truly over now. It has yeah. been a really good month, and it, it is great to see. But, yeah, three yeah. and one of the last month or something. So they are playing very good football. They are strong, yeah. but if they, were, they had a bit beaten any other team other than Canton and Gold, or Gold Coast yeah. we would talk more about it because it then shows you the class and the this was a training drill yeah. and it's, we, we don't review the training drills no no, it's a pre-season game no yeah. so next game another shocker so in a different way so Hawthorne versus the Lions in a fantastic win 65-98 to 98, Brisbane by 33 points down in Tassie so Brisbane uh, since they've got Hodge and Hodge was a laid out yeah. which was added to the drama so, well, Hawthorne, are, you know, they've won both games. Uh, sorry, Brisbane have won both games this year. So, yeah, so wow. It's the second year in a row that Hawthorne have lost two games to a Queensland team. So last year it was the Gold Coast. Lost, lost both games to Gold Coast. Won't happen this year. So this year uh, lost both games to Brisbane. And funnily enough, it happened at the ground that they've only lost about three games in the last 30. Down in Tassie, yeah. And it was perfect condition. So I'm wondering whether they haven't adjusted to the perfect condition because they're used to this win conditions and got the uh, better of them. Nah, I'm only joking. It was a really good tussle for the first half and then Brisbane just, just knew how to beat Hawthorne yeah, and, and beat they, them well. They that's just it. looked so good against They them. took the game on. Their ball movement was really good and the depth's good too. Rayner is, is a legit star. Yeah. He, you know, obviously number one draft pick last year. He looks fantastic. You know, Mitch Robinson adds really quality grunt to their side. Zorko, Berry, Beams, they've just got kids everywhere yeah. and, and their mid-tiers, I mean, Beams is probably having almost his best section of football I've ever seen. Yeah, Collingwood included. He looks unbelievable. Yeah, Zorko is extremely good. Loves getting on the end of a of a passage to play to kick a goal. Christensen's doing his role. Uh, Martin Kibble's was great good. in the ruck as well. Yeah. Um, who's the other guy? Um, Witherden, I like. There was there's so much to like about this team. We've talked about it Ooh, uh, we've for most really of this year. Yeah, so, yeah. And they, they, they do. They're on the out. They look exciting. They look balanced. They've got just the right amount of clutch players with streaky players, fast players, guys who know how to play. Balanced good lock team. Yeah, they yeah. look so balanced. And they've still got a guy named Charlie to come back. That's the thing. They're going to be seriously good next year. I mean, and it's funny, you know, we are talking about depth before in that bastard-ass game just a minute ago. Brisbane's kids look a thousand years ahead of Carlton's kids. Yeah, and, and everyone thousand. at the start of this year would have had them on level pegging or Carlton slightly better. The gap, as we saw, you know, obviously very recently when these two guys played each other, Carlton and Brisbane, was was obscene. Yeah. I mean, it's, it is embarrassing. So it's actually the first time in five years Brisbane have won three games in a row. It's, yeah, it's it's an amazing effort to 
to come back and and if they can win a couple more games for you know now in the end of the season good on them because they, they've been really good and it looks like um they're not going to get that number one draft pick but yeah i don't think they care they can just get another high they're pick better off and getting games into these it wins especially into these young players absolutely and because it is such a looks like it's going to be another deep draft that means they can get another high quality player look really into what they need extra and more depth in and that's it get this winning culture going in there which is what you needed a club that's especially um, young and exciting if they can get some wins together towards the end of a year that just helps them in the pre-season and getting ready for the year after that so if you missed this game and obviously at the time slot there would have been a few listeners that didn't see this game so quarter time scores 2-5 to 2-1 and then at half time 6-7 to 5-2 and then three quarter time so the Hawks have had these big three quarter wins this year 9-10 to 11-6 so Brisbane absolutely you know in it and, and they're ahead and then 9-11 to 15-8. So, geez, and that, that second half from Hawthorne, not great. And obviously only going from 9-10 to 9-11, only one point in the last quarter. Not ideal to 4-2. So one point to 4-2, that's not going to win you any you know, much. No, uh, basically basically everyone at Hawthorne, bar three players, went to bed at halftime. Yeah. Um, and it was the three guys in the in the engine room, uh, Mitchell, Shields and O'Meara. They were all fantastic throughout the game. And they just had no support around them after that it was really really hard to help and then obviously so much ball was going into the back line and the back line was just getting smashed do you think that Hawthorne <laughs> went into this game a little bit overconfident yeah so do you think that's that's basically why there was such a drop off because it looked like that on oh no on I don't think that, no I, I, I think the game was closer than it probably should have been had they gone in with the right mindset at halftime yeah and then because of the younger legs of Brisbane and a little bit more pace across the ground that's they just blew apart they knew that if they could get on top at three quarter time uh, they'd get the ascendancy and yeah it was a very unhawthorn like second half of football because they've generally been better second half teams than first half teams that's, so, that's, that's what I was leading to before yeah. I mean, they, they really locked it away Another question for you, because I think this is one of those big picture sort of games to talk about, because obviously Brisbane, we've spoken about a lot all year, and we will talk about them some more. But Hawthorne, you know, on the on the cusp of, of the eight, and, and a, you know, a sort of a shock loss. Hawthorne are four and seven when Tom Mitchell gets 40 disposals or more. Is it not ideal? So he got 43 for the day again. Yep. Is it not ideal that there is one guy getting so much of the ball? What What is your... There's a lot of talk about it, and... What is your opinion of the whole thing? Do, how, how do you feel about it? Do you think it's a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Is it detrimental to their game? How, how, where do you sit with it? Uh, damned if you do, damned if you don't. With this, It's a bit like the Ablett conversation yeah. in that sense. You can't stop him from getting the ball. And I think um, Clarko was very clear about that at the start of the year when he got his second 50 touch game and we lost or something like that. You can sit there and go, well, tell him not to get the ball. Well, let's like tell him a dog not to chew a bone. Like that's it's in his nature and he just reads the play so he knows where to go to get the ball yeah it's the influence that the players on the outside have that are probably more reflective of those games Izzy was really quiet I, I barely saw Impy I mean these are two fast running guys on the outside no Izzy and you guys really struggle I think that's, that's more a, important and well, that's why teams are shutting him down yeah I would look at those games where Mitchell's had 40 plus touches and tell me if Izzy because I reckon there's probably been someone tagging Izzy out of the game and that's why 
Brian Mitchell's able to get a lot more of the footy because he does. He he, he um, propels the the footy into the forward half much better than Mitchell does, and probably better than any of our other players. I thought Sicily was good, but he probably wasn't as damaging as he has been in some games. But I still thought he tried. Yeah, he was. He was good. Um, even old mate uh, Ozkick was good for patches. They they desperately need another key defender. If they Birchall Birchall and Bergwijn can't come back to this footy club quick enough just to get some balance in that back half. Two hundred games for James Frawley, so he yeah. played, played his two hundred. Two hundred, and uh, yeah, so they didn't they didn't take him off on a on a chair, and they were wearing a particular uh, Guernsey for for a cause, and they didn't turn up for that cause either. So that's that's probably just as disappointing. You're gonna if you're gonna change your Guernsey to uh, raise awareness about a something as serious as cancer, probably play a better game brand of football. Yeah, not ideal. No, um, but that, I'm not taking away from Brisbane. I thought Brisbane were no, absolutely no, but, fantastic. Though well, we've been on Brisbane all year, and I think you know most podcasts don't. No, don't acknowledge they exist, sorry, but I think, yeah, look, I think we can't obviously go into this game too much because nah. they're, they're Brisbane are at the back end of the year, they, you know, they've started to get it together and we've been really positive on them. I mean, they've got really quality evenness, they've got a nice offensive style. Good defensive style, but the other thing too is it's like last week with their win. It's you can't look into it too much because they are playing a pretty, you know, I guess not not simple style of football. But they're, they're such a young side and a young group together that it's just going to take time before they can really take that next step and beat a lot of different stop type of teams. And Hawthorne were poor in a lot of respects on the day. Yeah, and I agree. They've they've worked out the Hawthorne style and they can adapt to it really well. And a couple of other teams are doing that as well. They probably I, worked out four or five different styles. And that to play throughout the game and yep. change ups, and that's fantastic for where they're at. Yeah, but to be a final side, you need to be able to beat a heap of different sides and, and change at quarter time. Yeah, change and regularly through games, the game. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So they're, they're going to be fantastic. Did you see Brisbane put all their jumpers on at the same time? Did you see this yeah, type thing? Oh yeah, it's been uh, it's been uh, eye captivating. It's been on every it's been he- everything everything it's everywhere. It's like the biggest, new, biggest new, sort of yeah style. biggest news of the uh, AFL from the weekend well, is that they're all wearing tops. Except most podcasts would cover that real heavy, but some we'll but skate over that. There's one. a couple of players that the tops are a bit too tight. They could barely get them on. That was a bit. Funny. Someone couldn't get them over the yeah. head. I, I I just thought it was funny like all the same time, and I thought it was funny that Chris Fagan didn't know. And I was thinking like I'd love to like get a camera on him and just he, he walks into the room they're all like shirtless and then they all put their shirts on at the same time he'd be like what is going on my name is Fagan not Pagan is there some psychologists <laughs> yeah. in here what is, what is happening stop looking at each other you wankers <laughs> <laughs> anyway but now look really quality win and massive credit to Brisbane I mean the, yeah. the biggest thing out of it three in a row the first mm. time for five years to do that is, is massive so yeah, they're on the up and up credit. and if those other teams that are at the bottom of the ladder really need to look at how they're going yeah. about it and start taking notes yeah, because that's and what they got to do. I reckon for my next. I mean, obviously, well, you know, we still got six games to go, but I reckon for next year, I'm going to have them pretty close to the eight. I don't, I can't put them in. There's just too many teams that are in that middle section. But I reckon they could easily be sitting, you know, tenth-ish or yeah. somewhere in there. They're they're a seriously good they're side. They're a seriously good side. So, but that's about it. I don't. Yeah. Hawthorne let a gold they're opportunity. Still they're and still in there, but now they're no. real. They can't. They can only afford to pretty really much drop one game. Much. Pretty much. Well, literally. I mean, they're sitting in a position where. 
and they've got to rely on other results. You know, had they won this game, it gives them some breather. But yeah, that's that's footy, and that's how close the season is at the moment. Hawthorne are a team though that you wouldn't be too, especially while they're in this sort of changeover period at the moment, which is you know such a long drought from from 2015. But I, I think they they're kind of in this period now where I could see them as an example beating a top side and then losing to Brisbane just because they're kind of in this kind of funk at the moment and he's figuring out what pieces go where and what works and who's in who's out and yeah, yeah. and they'll probably end up with a ridiculous free agent at the end of the year so and we'll talk about it surprised. talking about it in the um, preview but the three of the teams that we've still got to play that are above us are teams that we usually get yeah. up for yeah. so. I would not be remotely <laughs> surprised if they were to beat so Sydney or Geelong as an example yeah so, so we'll keep, keep, keep going so, to another interesting game interesting game so Melbourne beat the Doggies 119 to 69 Melbourne by 50 points Again, probably not a game you can talk a heap about. There is a few through this round we can definitely talk a lot about. So Viney was a late out. So early in the podcast I mentioned, so foot injury, four weeks. He's saying four weeks as a minimum. So when a player says that, probably means six. Six, yeah. Um, Foot's a bad one to, bad. to be getting this time of year. Yeah, and especially given the, the period when he was out, they they struggled. Yeah, so... so not, <laughs> we've not already not seen a data sample of what that looks like. Not ideal. And, and now they don't have Lever either. So, yeah, not. I, I don't guess it's obviously not too worrying sign for Melbourne just yet. They just had a fairly convincing win over the Dogs. And yeah. obviously the Dogs have been hit with a couple of key injuries uh, just after they started to show some form too. We'll start with the Ds because obviously they won the game. They, they were fantastic and, you know, it was one of these very much did what they had to do games. Gorn was unbelievable. So he's a legitimate Brownlow chance. Would you agree? I was about to say exactly the same thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Now, now that the mids that were probably likely to tussle out have all had started to have quieter games in the sense that, I mean, Mitchell racked up 43, but I don't think he gets a vote on the weekend. I don't think he was that influential to have got a, got a vote in the Hawthorne-Brisbane game. Yeah. But you look at Gone and he had 400,000 hit outs and just runs he has so much influence around the ground and when you're that big and you've got this obviously um, massive beard you get noticed by the uh, the umpires and obviously you would assume having seen him on television how he interviews he'd have a little chuckle with the umpires I reckon the umpires like him alright so it's a bit like having peroxide bond hair back in the late 90s and well, early someone, 2000s I, someone I, I, I saw maybe on Twitter I can't remember where but someone said maybe this will be and I don't think this was meant to be <laughs> disparaging to Gorn, but maybe this will be a Wo Woden type scenario. Mainly in that, like Wo Woden, if you don't remember, was a player for uh, Melbourne, and he played also for Collingwood. But more importantly, he he had a very sort of peroxide, as you say, hair, and that kind of you know made him sort of stand out. It's like the Ablett, you know, bald head, I guess, at, at Gold Coast when he won the Brownlow up there. So I don't know, maybe I mean they they're not meant to look at the stats, so maybe that that would be part of it with that big beard and such an enormous Viking no, sort of style that he does. Yeah, they've. Only- got a number of, they've only got a window to get their votes in in um, sealed for the umpires yeah. so they can't look at the shot basically yeah, yeah. armor guard coming and yeah. take them instead of the uh, the votes <laughs> yeah so that massive unit you always see on brown line <laughs> but they um but in all fairness he has he's been having an outstanding season so it's he's gonna be, huge he's going to be very very tough for for people to not notice him. But it's going to be like so. the Richo one where he nearly snuck it in 2008 when Kearney got it and everyone in the whole room was trying to get Richo to win the brown line. Everybody was cheering him every vote, yeah. every round to be missed. It was a 2000 and it was 10 years ago now. It was an eight yeah, brown line. It doesn't feel, getting old, that doesn't feel like that long ago. That was a long time ago. A decade ago, so. Jeez. 
Now, we'll get into the game. So, look, obviously, not a heap to take out of it because only one team's still in it for the year. Melbourne, you know, they, 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 were, they were quality. You know, at least the Dogs, you know, for so much half. of this year. That's exactly it. And they did what they've done a lot of the time this year where they played one half. So, the score at half time was 6-9 to 6-6. And then from there, they, they obviously dropped off. So, three-quarter time, 14-9 to 9-9. And then 18-11 to 10-9. So, they really got blown out in the fourth quarter. But the third, you know... At least they got a little bit. We've seen a few games this year. I think it's like three or four games where the dogs have kicked like two goals, like two or three goals yeah. from, from half time, which is obviously not ideal. No, so definitely not. Nice ideal. to see them at least get four. You know, a little bit more. You know, weren't, weren't horrific, but they they obviously weren't great. They, they don't have the pieces, and their injury list is as bad as pretty yeah. much everyone's. Oh, absolutely. It was. Uh, I thought it was a very good game from Shaki. Yeah, I thought he started, and he has been showing just little glimpses of what he's been capable of. But I thought it was a really, really good game from him. Had a couple of goals, took a couple of contested marks, and just presented fairly well for a team. The kids that, look good. Yeah. McRae looks really good. Hunter looks really good. The one benefit of so many people being out is that a lot of these young players have had to take key positions. And, be- and good. Well, they might, they might in two or three years, they might look unbelievable again because these guys have had all this experience. You look at Hunter, he's only played 99 games and he's... And it, and it makes uh, probably a little less likely that all the players that we touted about being traded out of there or going after free agency might just stay. Mitch Wallace being one of them. Well, it was interesting. I saw him on, on the mark, the Fox footy show, and he, he was interesting. He sounded like he really wants to stay, which mm. is which is good because it looked very much on optically, but obviously we got no idea. But he looked looked like he wants to go. But yeah, it sounds like Dalhouse is very gone. He's probably the only one. Ruffin yeah, probably but, gone. Yeah, and I don't think that's his choice. I think that's Bebo's choice. I think well, Bebo doesn't doesn't like him much. Yeah, so. he hasn't. Uh, come to no. what it, what they wanted fruition. from him. Yeah, fruition, yes. And But uh, let's get him back to Melbourne. Uh, their forward line is uh, starting to Kick gel off, to get yeah. gel, gel together again. And we t- talked about how Hogan needed that game up in Darwin mm. to kickstart his uh, form. And it's worked because he kicked four on the weekend and looked pretty damaging. Yeah, so seven goals, two between Hogan and McDonald's. Great. That's a nice oh. return. To get seven or eight goals. And then a couple of two. Well, it's like what Wade and Ben Brown were doing for a while yep. as well. And Darwin. And Kennedy, Kennedy as well. So yeah, look, that's that's great. If you're going to play that style, you need your two towers to 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 do quite well. You know, Richmond play you know a very different way. A lot of their smalls, and you look at Collingwood, probably do more of that Richmond mold. Yeah. But if you're going to go the other mold, which is fine, there's there's it's not really been proven. I mean, you can argue the other way has been proven the last couple of years with dogs and Richmond winning the flag. But yeah, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's not proven in finals. And I, I still think a team playing that style could could still win a flag for sure. And yep. that's a that's a great return. Clearly, uh, Garlett was really good as well. Spargo, Neil Bullen, you know, there was there was you know they've, they've got so much. And even in a game like this, the the lever miss didn't really make much of a difference. It's no. not. It's going to make a difference. And the Viney thing is going to hurt them. And you know they've got some teams they'll play next year that that will absolutely that's going to get exposed, but not not out of a game like Lewis this. Lewis didn't go out trying to kill people. He didn't hurt anybody. Good sign. Good, um, so. Got a bit of the pill and, and actually went back to what he does best, and that's sort to be that general off half back and yeah we could start a true crime uh, podcast about Lewis just murdering people each week just do a fake serial sort of style we could do that and then we could throw in a couple <laughs> other friends that play in other
other teams that just go around and there's still a little just murdering murdering people yeah no I, look good game vining out's the the worst part of it yeah and you know Melksham's clearly found a place as well he, he looks great but yeah there's not a lot to take out of this especially when they're playing almost the dogs you know half of it's almost their reserve side because they've got so many outs and they know and the season's over in, so. and they know the season's over and they know there's such a transition between now and you know when they're going to be you know anywhere near amongst it so yeah there's no good point. percentage boost for Melbourne again that's the thing it's not not like a couple of teams over the last three or four weeks that we've seen only get oversides by 20 points or 30 points another 50 odd point win is, is good so absolutely it is they'll boost that up and I think they really push that into them over the summer missing out on finals by percentage I think they probably said to them Look, we, we can't have this garbage no. happen again like yeah. we, we need to work on this this when this, we see this. Op- yeah when we see that opportunity to really take it uh, put foot the on the front yeah, yeah. done and, so they're, that, and they're doing it maybe that they needed that Sort of like Richmond, you know, having those horrible results before they were able to, you know, turn themselves into a quality side and, you know, losing those early, early finals. Maybe that will scar them a bit, but it'll be something that'll help them ongoing. So we'll probably keep moving because it is, there, there's a lot more to talk about out of a couple of the other games, but... Can I just have a quick question? No, no, go for it. Without Viney in particular, mm-hmm. do you think they can win a flag without him or do they need him back? Well, it's four weeks, he says. So let's mm-hmm. say it is four weeks. Obviously, we don't know, but let's say it's a month. Yeah, I mean, if he can get that foot right and he can come back, yes. Yeah, yeah. I still think that they absolutely could win it. But if, if he doesn't come back... If he has six or seven weeks and he only comes back sort of first week of finals, probably not, no. no. I think I think that's going to make it really hard. But as we've... Because the, the big problem is that as we've... You know, it's funny, you know, like with the, with the bye week now and so many things that have come into it, I just think that it, it's a funny system now where, you know, a team absolutely could come from, from the bottom at six or so and, and keep winning but it, it's it is one of those things where it's possible but I don't I don't think so so no I, I, I agree especially I with but the top the problem is that it's, it's the lever factor as well if you've got a, a viney that comes back that's just coming in and we've seen time and time again even with a grade footballers take a week or so to to build up again with without you know late and then in the year into finals probably not I think but who knows stranger things have happened but there would have to be you couldn't just rely on what's going on at the moment for, for that to happen you would there would have to be another two or three people that are you know going okay to massively lift for that to change and I don't who knows it's it's such a speculation but if you like if I'm just going to give an answer to it probably not yep. but it's yeah it's so hard to know from here I think they need to get him back and they need to get some games into him before finals ideally so Gold Coast next game Gold Coast versus Essendon 51-95 Essendon by 44 points Gold Coast played a half Bombers play three quarters. That's pretty much this game. So yeah. the score at quarter time, 2-8 to 2-4, 4-11 to 4-6, 4-14 to 8-10, and then 6-15 to 13-17. So Essendon could really have won by a lot more. I was watching the other game, so I didn't see this game live. I watched the, as you know, pretty much most people would have, the GWS Richmond game. Saw a fair bit of this um, in retrospect, mainly for the podcast. Look, yeah, I mean, it was good to see Gold Coast show some fight. They didn't just get obliterated. That was good. But, you know, this is very much a game where there's not a lot to talk about in the back end of the year. Gold Coast, obviously, you know, millions of miles out of it. 
some some quality signs from a lot of the usual suspects that are still there. So, you know, I thought Young was quite good, Sexton, Holman, you know, they've got some players, and our mate Lions, we mentioned him basically every week. But, yeah, they're, they're, they're a similar position, slightly even worse to the Dogs, because they just don't have the talent on the pitch as well that can slightly cover it. But it's yeah, it, it's it's a situation where they're a million miles out, and Essendon have uh, uh, hit some some beautiful form, and uh, they they're winning the games they need to win, and and they're they're still a massive chance to to sneak into the position they were in last year, right at the the bottom end of the eight. Yeah, and I reckon McKernan could be um, that player to take um, Danaher's spot because I I can't we still haven't heard what's happening with Danaher. Well, I haven't. No. So. I'm assuming that he doesn't come back for the year. So I would be looking at McKernan as a, their key, big, just their one big key forward that can then rest in, or go into the ruck and uh, rest uh, Tommy Bell Chambers out and then just have that mosquito squad around them. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it, it, it's an interesting scenario with their forward line. I, I thought Devin Smith was fantastic as well. I think a few of them are, are really pushing and, and, and allowing some scoreboard pressure and taking a little bit off your... Because that's the thing. They are kind of figuring it out on the run because of yep. the injuries that they've had. So Bagley was really good, 3-2, McKernan, 2-flat. Goulfi, I thought, was excellent yeah. again. Yeah, so two goals. Tip and Woody, a little bit inaccurate, but still not too bad, 2-1. But Devin Smith, I mean, he, he could have had a massive night. So 23 disposals. He was unbelievable on the night. Nine tackles, really beautiful pressure as well. And then, so then they got nice line as well. Long, Parrish, Brown, Myers, all with a goal. So they, they, they've got a fair bit of depth. And Bell Chambers could have got on the board too, two points. And Langford, they, this could easily have been a much worse Must win, win, win yeah. for them, and but that, that's okay. They still won by a decent amount, and and they're obviously playing such a low side, you know, with where they're at. But yeah, not a lot to read out of this game. No, and that's the other thing. If sometimes it's easy to forget that playing up in the Gold Coast at this time of year can be a little bit um, sapping because yeah. you're going into a little bit more humidity, even though it was at night time. Still a bit more warmth up there, so you've already got dewy ground. Yeah, pretty tired, tired bodies anyway because it's so deep into the uh, season. In. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I thought that the Dons did exactly what they needed to do. Got out of it pretty scot free, no injuries from the game, and they look uh, ahead to keep uh, this good form uh, in their run to the potentially finals. Yeah, that looked really good. I mean, one other thing to single out, I, we, we're going to talk about it last week, but we just ran out of time. We can't obviously cover everything, but I thought Merritt's had a great month. I think he looks fantastic. He's really turned it around. He had some yeah. form issues earlier in the year, and we spoke a bit about that, but we haven't really kind of acknowledged how much he's turned it around. But I, I'd Same I, as Parrish. Parrish as well, yeah. Well, he's he's been in and out of the side as well. That hasn't helped. But yeah, I, I know what you mean. Merritt, Merritt's been excellent, though. He, he looks really solid. They're going to be a really good side. But it's, yeah. It's hard to tell again. Again, sort of similar to the St Kilda thing. They're obviously a, they're a better team than the Saints. But at the same time, uh, yeah, probably not too much to read out of this game. And, and especially given there's, you know, three or four more games we've, we've got to get into. But massive, massive, you know, still strong win. You know, they didn't drop one away. And Gold Coast were, at least they were good early. Competitive, at least yeah. That, at least they were semi competitive they didn't just get obliterated the, the you know the entire time so obviously didn't hold the lead for very long it was a very brief period in the second and a little bit in the first but yeah once once it got towards the end of that it was the second half was all pretty much all listening yeah the ones that yeah what Gold Coast have really got to figure out how to at least kick a goal in every quarter so again they went goalless for a quarter which is not ideal but um, no yeah pretty horrible score pretty, pretty terrible yeah I mean look we, we are clutching at straws a little bit with this game 
time because mm. obviously one one team's a million miles out and and the other team you know still on the edges and it's it would be sort of covering the same same path I think with Essendon if we go too much further. Yeah. But look, they're, they're building, they're figuring it out. As I said, they're rebuilding it very much on the run during the season because they have had a bunch of injuries that haven't sort of you know helped help their lineup. But they, they are going to be a quality side and they're going to damage teams. <laughs> they are absolutely going to win some more games through in, here in the end of the year. It's just how many can they get? Absolutely. Because they are they have left this excuse me run a little bit late. A bit late, to say the least, as we keep but, saying. But speaking about a bit late, if we don't get moving, we got some cracking games to get. So that's now. the thing. Well, that's why I've been sort of moving through the yeah, bit faster because we do have to keep going. So GWS over the Tigers, seventy-nine to seventy-seven. GWS by two points. Great, great game for everybody except for a hardcore Richmond supporter. Yeah, my wife had to come and check on me because she thought I'd blown a gasket to work back <laughs> into sure. the game. But anyway, let's let's talk about the game from from an overall perspective. It, yeah, look, really good game. I mean, GWS really came to play. Clearly, Green back was a is a massive in, and geez, I mean, GWS they're, they're sort of similar to Essendon in a way, pulling this you know, massive run over the last month and a half. They look fantastic, and you know, a, a lot of their a lot of their players that have been down, you know, your Whitfields and Tarantos at times, but they they both. Just lifted, lifted, lifted. They look fantastic. And, that, you know, that goal from Green late was just clutch as. And they look amazing. I mean, look, it's hard. I mean, from, we'll start with, with the Giants because they won the game. Although Coniglio was excellent. Shield was, was fantastic. But, you know, Kelly was pretty good as well. But in a lot of ways, Richmond should have won this game. I mean, it's 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 one of those things. It's, it's like that Geelong-Dogs game the other week. It was so close that had it gone the other way, then we're having the conversation of oh well you know Geelong were just better on the day and you know let, let's say Harry Taylor kicks that goal it was it was that close I mean yeah you know Castagna went 0 and five like that that I mean I know it's with sport you can look at a lot of different things so you know when it's a close game so you can say oh well if they'd made that you know three pointer at that moment then that that changes it absolutely or, but this was very much a game where you can I know you don't want to highlight it on one bloke but it's pretty rare that he's going to kick 0 and five yeah. Yeah, especially, and one of them is not even from missing a goal, but he missed a mark, a dead set easy mark. Dead it was set. only about 10 or 15 metres out in no. front, and a kick from about 35 out in front. Something like that. So he, he, he kicks one. He kicks one of those goals, and it's a whole other story we're talking about, as you just mentioned. So, yeah, look, it's hard to... You, you don't like putting it, the no. microscope on one player, but... It, zero and five. It's hard not to look at that when it's such a close game. Yeah, if it had been a twenty or thirty well, point win, it, you go. Mm. It's such a glaring thing. I mean, it's like it's like the Rockets and Golden State in the back end of last year. I mean, the Rockets for so much of the back end of the year were yeah. amazing from the three point line, and then all of a sudden when it when it got late into that series, it just completely fell away. And it's so hard. How can you not look at that? Like if that happens, that that's it. They're going to win. Like it's so it, that's and I mean, look, you can look at other things. I mean, Ellis fell away. I. Shy Bolton as well made some critical errors at times. You know, there were some things that that clearly were you know you can definitely look at and highlight. Dusty had no tackles, so yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean that's the thing. Like you know, no Butler didn't help because if Castagna's kicking a hundred points, then you can go to him. Like that's the thing, you know. But there was a lot of positives for Richmond. I mean, Rewalt was excellent for the vast majority of the game. Vlostom was great back, obviously post his suspension. Hawley looked a little bit off, but I think you know again we speak about it all year. Only first game back, so. Yeah. 
it, so it's going to take a little while. It takes time. AFL is, you know, it's, it's clearly another level. So you don't see very many players coming in and dominating immediately. So he, he was a bit off. I thought Rance was pretty good for most of it as well. But it's it, it's you know, ten out of the last ten inside fifties, you know, Richmond completely flipped it around, and you know that they were dominating at the back end of the game. They they just couldn't get the score on the board. And the most important stat pretty much is conversion. Yeah. Because in our game, we have a funny old game where it's a point on one side and it's six in the middle. middle. And I know that seems like a really obvious statement, but it's it has a massive factor in our game specifically compared to a lot of other games. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I didn't only saw a highlight to this game. So from that perspective, and you saw it all, so you'd be yeah. good to uh, answer this question. Was it more that your B graders slipped a little bit in their normal intensity and the normal way they go about playing because looking just through some stats and players Caddy barely got his hand on the ball and when he did he didn't use it that efficiently uh, Edwards looked like he was a bit out of and lost in the game yeah more was wasn't as damaging yeah. yeah so it looked like you're top tier so your usual um, players like your Martins Cochins and they just did what they normally do and that played fairly so- solid football mm. but then that next tier Poe didn't play where they usually are at yes and no I mean prop pro- like like pretty much, I mean, it was similar, I guess, in some respects to the Geelong uh, Crows game. But that, I mean, Cochin was amazing. Yeah. Like again, like he has been so good all year. I think he's almost having his best year. I think he's almost as good or better than he was last year. He's been amazing. But Dusty was definitely down. He was good through sections of it, but just not not able to apply. I think there was a couple of times where he, you know, went for uh, free kicks a few times and just just little things that was a bit uncharacteristic and using his body in ways that, that just didn't work and okay. he, he's the problem with it though I'm, I'm really careful not to criticize him mainly because his his ceiling is so high and he just had one of the all-time seasons like it's it, it's you can't expect that to happen again oh, like of course it was not, no. so ludicrous that it's it's you can't you know it's it's one of those things and you see this happen in sport when someone has such a crazy year it, it is really hard but I mean 29 touches and a goal is still a pretty good exactly game. you look at his numbers yeah. on paper and it was still pretty solid like yeah, that's the thing but yeah involved. you're right I mean a lot a lot of the lower tier wasn't as damaging like your Castanias and people like yeah. that who but he's still a premiership player like he's a quality player but oh absolutely we've you know we've got a bunch of these guys that you know they weren't as good on the night but I'll tell you what like this was about as cl- well yeah I mean a couple of points like this was so insanely close and I don't want to you know single out Castagna too hardcore but I mean when you go 0-5 pretty hard not to not to single that out we'll go into the Giants as well but yeah, I mean, look, the Giants set up really well as well. I, I was really impressed with that too. You know, Dids is back in the needle, and he looks like he's going to be, you know, quality, and that, you know, that'll add another dimension to their game. I thought Whitfield bit uh, built, excuse me, through the game early on. I thought Whitfield was a little bit off, but back end of the game, he really, really improved, and he just becomes a really quality chain player. He's kind of like that Ablett role for their side. Yeah, and then he really works. He, he's so skinny, which means he's so fast. fast. Like he's just he's he just tears through the field. But Haynes, I was super impressed with as well. So he just reads the ball so well. So I was really impressed with the number of, of their kids. You know, Sam Taylor, I thought was excellent as well. But they've got some really really good 
kids. And yeah, Zach Lan- That Lan- next tier looks, looks really solid. Good. Looks yeah. nice. Because I, I was always sort of like, what what is this side? Everyone talks about how deep they are, and, and they are. But you know, they've been tested this year a bit because they've had you know Kelly out for a fair bit, and they've had a number of key Green out for ages, and still got their two big forwards. Scully out. out for ages, and you know those two guys. That's the thing. Yeah. But it's it, yeah, they, they look that that next bit looks looks good, and Toronto's improved, and maybe they don't look at trading him. There's been always talk about him potentially going on and you know, I know Carlton have been pretty pretty keen on him with Sauce trying to you know peel off the scraps of Jitterbiss as much as he can but maybe he stays you know T- Tomlinson I thought was was quality as well because they did this whole thing of Tomlinson is the second ruck and then that freed up lob around the ground to, to do other things and he, he, he was good you know he kind of played that Charlie Dixon role a bit sort of he's such a you know large unit lob so he just uses his body and yeah. just frees up a, a grain or somebody like that just, just to you know give them more space he's never going to kick 10 or something he's not some amazing player but you know he, he used his body really well and he freed Green up and I thought his blocking was really good to, to assist Green as an yeah. example well so. Tomlinson's had a really good uh, block of football yeah. he's played in different positions gives a lot of flexibility to mm. that team so he can he's now can play anywhere on the ground so he can play forward can play back and can uh, go in the ruck and give uh, the big fella a bit of a bit of a break so Reprieve. yeah so that that means that if Patton and Cameron when they come back if they're having a, a down game they've got another person that can go forward for them which is a scary proposition if they get to near full strength towards the tail end of this year GWS going to be some really hard to beat it'd be negligent as well of me not to mention Zach Langdon because I thought he was fantastic on the night as well so three goals 15 disposals and he went at 93% yeah. so he, he was fantastic and you know he's only played 13 games I mean this this kid looks really good so that they've got some really good upside and you know all full credit to them to win without Cameron because I mean imagine if you know they'd really bombed out imagine the heat that would have gone on to Cameron for getting suspended with the team really yeah, bottoming absolutely. out that would have been about as hot as it gets yeah, I know they don't get much pressure up there being in the West in Sydney, but that that would have definitely started to come on. So great for the season and great for the team to win in different ways because it means that when these guys come back, they've got other options. Absolutely. And that's exactly like West Coast. You know, they were able to win. They've fixed it up a little bit now. They're, they're a little bit back on the tracks. Well, I mean, they're pretty heavily on the tracks. They're sitting, mm. you know, right at the top of the ladder pretty much. So it's, yeah, look, it, quality win. And they were coached very well throughout the night as well. And I thought, you know, clearly, you know the, the team up there is, is still very good. I know Stevie J's moved over to the Swannies, but you know Wayne Campbell and a lot of these guys clearly have these guys trained really well because they've had to adjust a fair bit and they've been able to play very well. So that, you can't do that with bad coaching; it just doesn't work. No, absolutely not. And uh, Cameron obviously had a very uh, specific game plan in place to yeah. get over the Tigers, and they and they all pressure uh, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, they all did exactly what they needed to do in their roles, and I think that's the only way you can beat Rich. You've got to have the class there to begin with, which obviously GWS having spades, especially that midfield where there's probably eight or ten players that they can rotate through that midfield and they're all very classy. Yeah. But you can have all the class, but if you don't execute on the game plan against a team like Richmond, mm. you'll get exposed. And they and they didn't. They won in what is going to be a game, oh, a season-defining game for them in my eyes. Because oh, I think this, I think this is a game that galvanises the. They the reacted like now. that, yeah. And this will propel them. They'll probably finish about fifth, I reckon. Yeah. I wish we had more time because there is a lot I'd love to talk about this yeah. game, but we will keep moving. But, you know, GWS's entries were really dangerous as well throughout the night. They were really consistent. Everybody led really well. Another thing to watch out for that I really liked, and this tactic worked against Richmond, so maybe other teams will look at this as well. 
So GWS pierced the ground really well. So across the, the middle section of the ground in terms of rolling it offensively towards their inside 50, they moved the ball really, really well in almost a Z shape. So they would kind of chip it out to the skinny side of the ground, which would you know kind of weird the Richmond players out, who would quickly shoot it over to the fat side and then back over to the skinny side, almost in a Z sort of shape. So there was a lot of this where they would go... Instead of taking it through the corridor yeah. or really going outsides either, they weren't necessarily, they were, they'd open up the space and they would take it in a, in a position so it would go one side to the other side to the other side. Okay, yeah, To yeah, the yeah. other side. side. So it, there was a few different times where almost like a snake, they, rather than and avoiding trying to play it and they almost in a, in a very unorthodox sort of way. So sort of like, you know, you look at the way um, Novak Djokovic returns, you know, one of the things Kevin Anderson found clearly so hard in the Wimbledon final is, you know, Novak will hit it back with interest, but he'll hit it back in in, in so, such a wide variety. variety. And yeah. variety is really important in in sport in terms of you know when you're attacking. And I thought GWS, you know, use that the, the corridor, but then also other sections of the ground, and they really mixed up the way they positioned themselves for for setting up. So yes. that that was good. So little little things like that make a massive difference. But really really good to see them win in a different way and and clearly they're going to get galvanized over beating a massively top side and we could go into this game for ages but yeah look richmond offensive smalls choked really <laughs> there's no other way to look at it to kick no five from some of those some of those shots were unreal and it wasn't just castania there was a few of them that were ridiculous yeah but, anyway yeah we'll keep moving still on so, top of the ladder so yeah I, I know but it was a very frustrating game because we absolutely could have won it but anyway Pies versus the Eagles, so we'll have to keep moving. Massive game, and that's the thing. So this is the the round really builds from here because there's a lot to talk about in the next game, but then the following I would say is probably the game of the round in the North Sydney game, and then some you know really kind of consequential stuff out of the the Frio Port game as Absolutely. well. So, but we'll go. So Pies West Coast big game, sixty seven to one hundred two, thirty five points. So massive ins. We tipped the Pies on the episode, but we did say to watch the ins. I ended up was flat out through the weekend and just forgot to change my tip. But the you know obviously with the three bigs coming back in, so Darling, Lacra, and Kennedy, and then Cox was a laid out as well, which doesn't help for the Pies. Yeah, definitely. And this was a, yeah before the first perfect bounce, storm. It was yeah exactly before the first bounce. It was all set up for West Coast to win. It was yeah, and I I, I meant to change it, and it did. Yeah, you could sort of feel it that it was going to happen before the game. It, even as good as Colling would have been. You felt that, because I remember thinking last week, when do you get off them? Because they've been really good for ages. And we nearly got off them last week. And we thought, no, no, we'll ride them another week. Yeah. And then we, we carried one more. But at that stage, we had no idea any of those guys were going to play. On top of it, um, Adam Simpson said that Lacroix was no chance. So it was bizarre that he was playing. And he was, wasn't bad. Wasn't so bad. I, it must have just been mixed messaging. Yeah. But having Mason Cox out, that's that's a massive blow. That was a massive blow. Well, he's for, been great for them all year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's their, he's their ISO that works. And, you know, it, it gives space to Stephenson as well. Because, you know, sort of like what I was saying with Lobb before, you know, he's such a massive unit. He can create space. He brings the ball to ground. He's so a massive unit and he marks at such a high height no one can really do anything about it no it would make someone like McGovern countable every time every single time yeah. yeah not as strong as him but he's taller than him yeah and his arm height is ridiculous 
Yeah, so interesting game. We'll um, start with the Eagles because they obviously won the game. And finally, the monkey, the hoodoo, is off their back. That's it. They won at the MCG for finally. the first time in, well, it seems like the, was it 2005 grand final? So 1995 is the last time that they beat Collingwood at the G. Wow. 1995. So I was... Um, Fitzroy was still playing then. I was in primary school still. No, I was in high school. Just you would have been. Just, yeah, oh, man. Just, oh, man. So, um, <laughs> but look, obviously... When you get those three key forwards back and they put together eight goals, yeah, and that frees up Rioli, he kicks another three. Yeah, they become a was good. super de- damaging um, team, and it was unfortunate to come at a cost. So Nick Natty knew he looks like he's done his other knee potential ACL again, which is just that's pretty much guaranteed. Because even after the game, they said that. So so really disappointing for that. Uh, luckily for the Eagles, so they've got a number one ruckman as their number two in Lysett. Well, hasn't things change for old mate Lysett so yeah. Lysett did really well on Grundy and an old mate that looked like he was potentially on the scrap heap mm. slash trade table. table now he's almost there more well they've got three signatures they got to get down in Gath, McGovern and Lysett they're the real sort of key and ones funnily enough he might well, be Lysett might be the number one because you can c- kind of replace Gath in the sense that there's midfielders everywhere mm-hmm. McGovern probably a bit harder to replace as a big powerful intercepting back but they've got Hearn who does that as well mm-hmm. and he's been doing it for a long time yeah um, I'd be yeah Lysett and Lysett you're not going to have to sh- throw the same amount of coin at because if they do want to get rid of him I can tell you Geelong will, would absolutely be very very oh, interested yeah, in Lysett they can, you can have well can I actually I'll frame something it. to you Kelly for Lysett good swap so Kelly wants to return home to WA a few um, of the you know sort of real uh, Reddit big footy type people on AFL Twitter, but especially the Geelong AFL Twitter, spotted on Instagram that uh, Geelong's Kelly's uh, wife was saying to a few people on Instagram that she was pretty keen to get back to WA and wasn't really enjoying Geelong so much. So that was interesting. So um, maybe a bit of Steph Curry's uh, wife, I've forgotten her name, sort of watch with um, some of the wacky stuff she says on Instagram. But now, look, interesting, and uh, uh, you might think that that's a bit bonkers because Kelly's a, a late player, but if he wants to go, he wants to go. Um, yeah, if they've been very something... good at keeping players, but if you could get a quality ruckman like a Lysette... Absolutely, they'd be mm. in the conversation. I would. I just thought of it during the game. I thought, yeah, yeah interesting. Yeah, he's 25, Lysette. It's not like he's he's got you know a bunch of years ahead of him. I don't know. I, but that's I just, mean, that's not, not a bad idea. Well, that's in Kelly's a mature age recruit. He was 20, he's 23 going on 24. Exactly. So, a similar age... Um, it would work for both. They get a quality mid because that's what West Coast need. Another quality mid. Yep. Well, they might if I'll make Gaff goes, and then um, Geelong get a, a quality ruckman, which is what they're exactly very what they for. need. Funnily enough, the, the last ruckman that they had of any now is at West Coast. In Barty. Yeah. It'd be funny if they took, got Barty back. I was Maybe. thinking that the other day. Well, it's, it's not the first time that someone's offloaded a, a good player to a Western Australia team. Then they come back. Got a flag, funnily enough, in Trent Crowe. Yeah, it's true. So it can happen. And they can get them back. So, look, West Coast have gone back. They look like the team that we saw at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, impenetrable defence. McGovern and Hearn just keep pushing it back through the midfield. So many intercept marks. It, after, after mark, after mark. No, they just mark. look great. And then, obviously, the midfield racked up. A heap of the pill. Redden looked good again. Yeah. And, and then the forwards just did whatever they wanted to. So You're seeing that Sam Mitchell influence, are you, in terms of 
their offensive structure, but then I mean ma- massively in terms of their engine. Like they all, all all their you know usual suspects were were excellent. So Collingwood as well losing this, it means that it really starts to put a bit of pressure on. Their next three weeks are actually pretty tough. They so, have got one of the hardest runs home, and I wouldn't be surprised if they miss out on finals. Well, I I think that's good might, as they've been might playing. Be a bit brave to say that. I think they're going to get towards the sixth ish position. I don't see them going top four. Not after losing this, and then they're going to lose some more. To me as well, the other thing that's not ideal is done. the done out is starting to be shown. Like, I thought Moore was, Darcy Moore was really good in his return, so that was good, but I still think the done out is, is not great. Um, Stevenson was good, you know, I thought he showed some maturity early. He's uh, got a lot of poise, doesn't he? He's, he's fantastic, yeah. but yeah, it, it is it is one of those things where pro- probably not ideal to drop this one. I think the bottom end of the pies just were pretty average on the day, to me. But yeah, it, it, it is one of those things. The, the Eagles have got their season back on track and that, look that's the thing I mean the, the, both teams still very much in and amongst it and I, they it might prove to not be too much of a loss for both sides but gee it'd, it'd be interesting to see so yeah but uh, yeah look the Eagles now sit on second was yeah. it yeah so they're just below Richmond on percentage so they're definitely back on track for a top two finish and as we said at the start of the episode for me Richmond and West Coast are now a lock for finals yeah pretty much a lock for top four as well so uh, whoever finishes third is most likely going to have their first final uh, who finishes fourth yeah third will travel to WA for their first final yeah that's it so look quality game I mean if you look through the stats 70% disposal efficiency to 72 so the Eagles only slightly ahead but if you go through the lines it, it tells a bit more of a story marks inside 50 14 to 9 so Eagles obviously getting so many more options and that just means there's a big difference actually still pretty good pressure from both sides Nine tackles inside 50 at both ends. Inside 50 is 53 to 54. But, you know, Eagles just using it a bit better. And, you know, 27 shots from 54 entries is, is not too bad. So, I mean, look, Collingwood had their chances. They absolutely didn't get belted. But, you know, the, the Eagles just have so many options. And with those three coming back in, they are, they are just such a dangerous side. Yeah, absolutely. And for me, I play for the match. Not quite a heat check. I didn't, I didn't see enough of the footy this weekend to really have a heat check. But... Mentioned before, Jack Redden, he's playing at his at the peak of his powers. Twenty-seven had another very very good game. Uh, Thirty touches, eleven of them contested. He went at eighty-three percent efficiency. Had a number of score involvements and took eight marks as well. So yeah, he was very good, along with seven tackles. So probably the most influential uh, mid on the on the day. Yeah, he, he was fantastic. So we better keep moving because the North Sydney game is a massive game, and I would like to give a bit of time into that. The Freo Port game, we can probably skate over a little bit because it was. Probably the, almost the worst game I've seen all year, that last game, but the free airport game was horrific. But we will we will keep going, I think. I mean, look, Collingwood are obviously absolutely well in and amongst it. Yeah. We're going to learn a lot more in the next few weeks. So I'm just going to hold off, you know, criticising any of the issues they had on the day too heavily because it could just be a blimp. Yep. And, and West Coast could have just brought the A game to, on the weekend, which is what they kind of like. We need to see a little bit more, but they're both, both obviously very in and amongst it. And, and look, it was a good game. It was a good game if you didn't see it, if you're a fan of either of the sides you, you probably would enjoy well obviously West Coast a lot more but 
yeah, look, good game, but yeah, it, we've obviously got the, the time limit. But interesting, next one, North versus Sydney. So massive game and probably top five games for me for the year. 98 to 104, Sydney by six points, so only by the goal. This was goal for goal, Had hell everything. for leather. Had everything. This was, yeah, so I still think that the Easter Monday game was the, the game of the year. But then, I, you know, there's been, the, you look at the Geelong-Melbourne game, Geelong Richmond as well was really good too. There's there's been some amazing games. You know, Collingwood up at the Gabba against Brisbane, that ridiculous game they played. This was this was unbelievable. Yeah, when you look so, at the womb, I think that is a really good indicator of what type of game it is. It is a yo-yo. It is not with big gaps of uh, dominance. But it's literally a couple of goals and then the other team kicks four in a row or three in a row and, and bang, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. It's yeah, an so absolutely cracker game. The margin never went bigger than 13 points for yeah. the whole game. So, so, like, it was just... This was an amazing game. So, I was out on Sunday for the whole day, but I watched it this morning. Watched with the whole game cover to cover, and it was amazing. So, this was... If, you, if you're a fan of football, this just really pushed for why would we change any rules? Because in a round, if you even get one or two of these... I know the AFL thinks that's not ideal, but, you know, I, I obviously want more and more the merrier. But if we're going to get a few games like this, I know we're not necessarily getting that now, but this was still unbelievable. And it, it, it just shows when two good teams that are you know that match up against each other well, you get an amazing game. And this was ridiculous in every respect. Yeah, unbelievable. I just I'm, I'm I'm still scratching my head though about the number one stat from this game is it's been ten years now that Sydney have got a hoodoo over the ruse at Eddie had that baffles me. Well, Eddie Eddie had's been a really good ground for North, and it, this is just one of their teams. Mm. It's it's I think it's it's like the the North Melbourne. Melbourne, you know, bizarre scenario as well, or you know, Geelong would beat Melbourne for a hundred years. I think it just might be one of those stats. But yeah, I mean, Sydney, Sydney been a very good side for ages, and to be fair, North haven't been a very good side for a while now. So that that probably hasn't helped. But I know what you mean. North do play Eddie Head quite well, so very well. I'm sure, assuming that they faced each other there during the two years that they made prelims, so playing good footy then as well. Yeah, it's just one of those stats that is bizarre because of how, yeah, mainly because of how good the Roos are at Eddie Head as a general rule, but. um, yeah, as you said, the Swannies have been a very good team since about 2004, 2005. And Constantly. Haven't, really, haven't looked back haven't looked since back. then. Yeah, well, they've basically made finals every time. They're the, you know, they're the San Antonio Spurs of the AFL. They've basically been in and amongst it for ages. So yeah. they, they look really good. So we'll keep, we'll keep going through it. We'll better start with Sydney. So Sydney, you know, Ronk looks like the real deal. And I just want to throw a stat to you. So Ben Ronk played 11 matches. So 13.4 disposal average, 21 goals. His average is 1.9. And then compare that to Stephenson from Collingwood. So 16 matches, 12.5, 25 goals. I mean, their stats aren't actually that far away from each other. And everyone is saying Stephenson, rising star. He'll probably win it. Yeah. But it just shows how good Sydney's kids actually are. It's it, that that's compelling. To it, that the numbers are pretty close. Ronk was excellent again. So Ronk again through the night. You know he sits with five goals, five one. He's he's a good player. Oh, absolutely. And not to take any shine off him, I think the difference is is he's had two blinder yeah. blinders, whereas Stefferson has been super. He's been consistent, and across, yeah, that's yeah. I, I I don't disagree. I I just thought I saw those numbers and I thought that's interesting, interesting because yeah. it, it is that is close. I think uh, since everyone sort of got on to Stefferson like he was a clear favourite, all of a sudden there's been two or three, maybe four of these younger guys come yeah. through and going, oh, actually, Ronk being one of them, and I think Cam Rayner being the other. Mm. in particular have just 
the last months have been really, really good. So, but interesting stats and interesting yeah, he's been, and it's great to see that Sydney can have another player like that that can kick goals. So it's not just Buddy and Heaney always having to kick bags. Well, the other thing too is you know there was a few players that would normally kick goals that that struggled or you know they, they would normally get a better conversion rate. So that's the thing. If a couple are down, then yeah. at least you've got other options. Like Papley, you know, uncharacteristically missed a couple, so he, he normally would kick, and they weren't horrible angles either. But we'll keep going. So, I mean, obviously the, the big thing with Sydney too. So, Kennedy was out relatively early. So, they, they won this without, you know, one of their absolute balls. So, we don't know what the story is. We're recording this on Monday night. It's a back issue, but it looks like he's going to be okay, they think. But we, we don't know that yet. They haven't had any kind of confirmed stuff on it. Yeah, back spasms are a funny one. I think a lot of players get them to varying degrees of uh, intensity. So, mm. sometimes it can just be a quick massage in the rooms and they, and you're fine. This obviously looked a little bit more severe. So, it might just mean some physio throughout the week. Bit of, bit of time off his legs. He's had to um, carry that midfield a little bit over the last few weeks so that might have just been a little bit of pressure who knows yeah. it can come from anywhere nothing too serious though by the looks of things so I reckon he'll be right real keys to the win though I mean Aaliyah was just enormous he, he was amazing everywhere and Ramp he's, he's just so cool under pressure his ability to mop up is about as good as anyone. He just looks unbelievable. Yeah. You know, you look at all Australian backline and he's got to be in it for sure. And there's a, there's a few others that are absolute locks. I think, he, I think he's Stuart at Geelong look pretty good as well. But yeah, he's, he's whole backline. T- teammate uh, Lloyd. Yeah. Lloyd, Lloyd so, so consistent. Yeah. yeah. So they've got they've got some really good players across each line. And obviously they played Eddie had very well. And uh, the, big, the big fella up front just did what he needed to do. When the game was on the line, and yeah, they just they've got some poise and some skill. Obviously, not missing Hanbury too much. Obviously, hasn't been been there much this year anyway. No, well, he just shows you the depth yeah. uh, of their as a, of the young crew that they've got coming through. So the very kids look exciting. great. Yeah, McCartan as well. I mean, he's he's building. I mean, he's he's really got half his game right. He marks really well, but he just can't kick for goal. But he's so young; it's not not everyone's going to come and just dominate. But we got to keep moving though, because there is so much to talk about with North as well. Heaney was a late. And you know, we really could go into this game so heavily. It's just the nature of it being at the back end of the the podcast. But you know, wrong, obviously huge as we said. But l- let's let's pivot over. I think Parker, excellent. But we, we better keep going into North because this is the thing. I mean, I know we normally start with we, we did. I know we looked at the winner, but you could easily go for forty minutes into this game and twenty minutes per side because North were you know an even distributor of talking because North were amazing. Yeah, absolutely, they were. And- and again, just a, so a team unlucky. that is so unlucky, a team that has a good balance across all their lines. Oh, Every person does their such role. Such an even side. Yeah. They look great. Yeah. Uniac looks fantastic. I mean, that, they just look amazing. Yeah, it's interesting. We talked about it weeks ago, why he wasn't in, but they've obviously looked at how he's developing physically and he can't, at this young part of his uh, career, go hell for leather like some players um, that come into the AFL straight away. So they've managed him really well and, and when he when he does comes in, he um, plays extremely good football. Hence the reason I had him for my now rising. He was star. your rising star. Yeah. yeah, thinking that he'd play a lot more uh, throughout the year, but obviously you don't know that. 
that information if you're not in the club. But no, no. did well. Obviously, their forward line looks unbelievably versatile with Zeebel in there. So balanced. Yeah, yeah. so Zeebel's my heat check of the round. He was just unbelievable. So five goals won, 22 disposals. He was just crazy. He was all over the ground, and it was one of the best individual performances I reckon I've seen all year. And he could sneak three votes for this. He, he was well, unbelievable. He was unbelievable. He had it on top of that, he had eight score involvements, nine oh, marks, he could have kicked seven. four of which yeah. were contested, and laid a couple of tackles. So, yeah, no, he, he, he's a star, and obviously he's going to get a lot more, or Scotty's going to get a lot more years out of him because he's not having to play in that midfield because the midfield have got some depth to it now. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's funny. You know, Sydney polish up so well, but North just stuck to their game plan. They kept taking the game on. They didn't, you know, Sydney would break ahead. And then North would catch up. They, they just kept constantly pushing and pushing and pushing and stuck to their game plan. And there's clearly so much belief now at North. There's so much belief. And the other thing too about this game, I thought it was really well umpired. I don't, we don't not, we'll normally talk about umpiring unless it really affects the game. But I thought it was umpired like a final and it played like a final. And it just proves... Looked like they that put the whistle away. When it comes to the, exactly. When it comes to the state of the game, this is a big part of the discussion. Is If the game's umpired better, it's going to make a massive difference. And there was some bad decisions for both sides. That happens every game, but pretty much, it's very rarely do I walk away from a game and go, oh yeah, they got everyone right, pretty much. Mm. Everyone, again, someone, someone will disagree with whatever, but I thought that they let it play, they let it fly. There was a couple that was a bit ridiculous. They let it play, you know, as far along as they did. But, you know, you can't have everything and it's such a ridiculously hard game to umpire, but, you know, compared to so many other sports. But, yeah, I, I thought it was very good throughout the day. And Sydney were just that little bit faster. I think that probably made the difference in the end, you know, against... I think there was a glaring statistic for them against Richmond recently that, that their pace through the centre was a bit of an issue. And that, that's been adjusted a little bit. I thought they, they entered into inside 50 really well. There was fascinating tactics on both sides. Though. Like, we could go into this game for ages. Like, North had a really, really quality tactic of almost... So, when they were, sh- when they were launching for goal, almost pulling Sydney's mids back towards their goal to sort of create space in the centre of the ground. Like, basically running back towards the front line and then launching back over the top. So, if you watch it, watch North in terms of the way they structure from the the back 50 towards their forward 50 and the way they do it. It's really interesting. Because I watched the replay of this, so I didn't see it live. So, I already knew the scores and a lot of the specifics. So, when I watched the whole thing through, I just sort of looked at it from a different angle and... Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, Sydney launched from the back half so well, and you know, it's so North were doing that at times as well. But he was almost too fast on the lead. Like he was pretty good. I mean, he got got a few goals, and you know, probably used his body a bit aggressively at times, and was a bit, a bit lucky. But you know, it's a very physical game as well, which was great. You know, Dor and Aaliyah, that that battle was was fantastic. You know, it was amazing to see two guys from outside of Australia yeah. make the top level. That's you know, super. And they both look so good on a country that doesn't have a lot of people as well. And that's no, great. Right. Yeah, so, they look excellent. I mean, Aaliyah was unbelievable. His his pace excellent. You know, his, his his ability to read the play really good. I saw Aaliyah directing play at the back end of the game too, mm. which was exciting to see him show that you know really quality leadership. Door, you know, could 
really have kicked a, a pretty big haul, but he was still excellent yeah. on the day. Well, that yeah. confidence he's, that he got from playing the back half is obviously start to pay off now, and he can be a super swingman for them. But big tick to him that he's able to do that because yeah. that's not easy to do. No, and he's all. he's come leaps and bounds as a player. And Sydney, you know, the, 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 I think one of the things that, that got them over the line as well is they use the fat side of the ground very very well, and they don't just use it well. It's they're so fast. So watch Sydney when they launch from the back half. The, the way they they allow the fat half to be created first, but then their ability to smash through it so quickly, they move, they pierce through it faster than nearly any other team. It's bonkers to watch how fast they can get it from one end to the other. They can transition so quickly. So quickly. And they, 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 they back themselves in and they know that if they move to the fat side of the ground fast enough, they're fit enough to be able to cover the ground more than their opponents and they'll be able to get to the to the point before anyone else can. So it's it only doesn't really necessarily work against Richmond because they can play that style so, better than them. But it's, yeah, I still think that's a big chance to happen as a grand final, Richmond versus Sydney. I still think oh, that's absolutely, a, yeah, a massive chance, but... Yeah, it all think, depends where everybody falls. And um, yeah, if they can continue to play like this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we, we better keep moving, but we're sorry to skate through that game. We'll talk a bit about these two teams in the preview, but we, we're really sort of pushed for time with the amount of stuff to discuss on the agenda. Parker, that smother late was unbelievable. I mean, we could we could just keep going through so many points. Yeah, we could pinpoint certain oh, aspects here and here and here. Probably I really like, ran through those tactics. Like, there's a heap of stuff we could discuss. Yeah. But, we, we better keep moving. But we'll make sure we cover these two teams a bit more in the next review and skate over some other ones a bit more. But yeah, look, really, really massive ever from two teams to put on what was probably the best show of the year nearly. This is top top three, certainly top five games. If you don't have this game in your top five, you haven't watched enough football. Like, this was yeah. unreal. And if you're a non-supporter of either of these teams, it's the type of game you can oh. sit and just watch. I would have loved to have gone to the game. I was tired yeah. throughout the whole day, but it would have been Without fantastic. any emotion. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Last game, which luckily was a terrible game because we've got to get going. 59-50, to 50, so Fremantle in a crazy upset. Still, I mean, pr- probably not. In mathematically, well, the whole ladder would have to completely change around. There'd have to be some very bizarre losses to shift it all. But very unlikely, mathematically, they're going to make it. But in a crazy win, without Fife, no Sandlance. Kids were, you know, really good. But this was a horrible game to watch. Port were dreadful and, you know, the the scoreline is, is, is ludicrous. So at halftime, I, I thought my app was broken. So the halftime score was 1-7 to 2-3. Yeah. That, I, I, I had to, you know how on an iPhone, how you double tap and then you drag the app up? to reset it I thought oh yeah it's just frozen that's alright so I went yeah. back in again again it frozen I thought oh that can't be the score and then again again uh, three times I did it trying to reset it no good no good at all so, and... horrific game that luckily is horrific because we, we do need to go to sleep but this was yeah, I mean, Port. I'll tell you what, if you're blue, a Port, yeah. a massive chance. If you're a Port supporter, you're just pulling your hair out. It's like, how can we give up a chance, not just to get in the top four, but really consolidate our, our spot in there and potentially get a top two berth, but lose to a team that is woeful or has been woeful for the last month at least. So, yeah, disappointing. Obviously, the scoreline's not flattering for any team, 50 to 59. But I would just sort of thought with the power, scoring power that Port have got, they could at least get to 70 points. Yeah, and I saw on Twitter later on, like a lot of people were like, one game is like one of the games of the season, and then the next game's horrific. Yeah. So it was, it well, you know, that one, you know, they're playing simultaneously for a bit there. So like, if this was, yeah, anyway, horrific game and probably not worth going into. Port have won enough. This year, obviously, they're, they're definitely going to play finals, but this might be the one that costs them top four, and yeah. they're really going to rue this. The, the main thing to take out of it is Ryder and Gray. 
So yeah, great injuries, massive injuries out of this game, and this could be a serious impact to their season. So Ryder, the hip flexor, so n- no good, and then he looks like we don't. Again, we're recording this Monday night, so we'll talk more about it in the preview, and then Gray concussion. So knee house tackle. Is it knee house, knee horse, whatever he is on Ryder? It's knee house, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, so oh, they're up there. So that's that's going to the tribunal. So we don't know the result of that either. So I think that's going to cost quarter top four spot. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Yeah, and looking ahead, they have got a very big game next week, and we'll talk about that in the preview. But if those two don't get up, and it's unlikely that either of them will, you'd think the concussion will keep Gray out for a week, and I think they'll be uber cautious about Ryder because they desperately would need him to go deep into the finals. So... Anyway, uh, they, they there's no excuses though for this type of loss. It's a bit like Hawthorne shouldn't have lost to Brisbane, and I think Port went over there thinking this would be very easy. easy. Yeah, and then losing two key players just all of a sudden they got into trouble and they found it hard to work back. And yeah, look, Fremantle credit they they were excellent as as much as you can be out of such a, a poor side. Obviously, you know their their halftime score was just as mm. bad basically. So halftime one seven two two three one goal at halftime is appalling. For AFL, like that, that's ridiculous. But that said, yeah, look, this was. I think we're going to mark this down as Port Adelaide had an off day, and they'll be back, and they'll be better, and hopefully, you know, the guys really get into them for this, and and that, you know, rebounds from there. Yeah, it was really interesting. Just one stat that just popped up. Then I looked at they only had fifty six interchanges port. That's so so low. Even with only two players on the interchange bench, surely you'd be able to rotate the players through the bench a little bit more than that. Especially when you obviously got a game where you really want to win and consolidate yeah. that position on the ladder. But yeah, it's a it's a strange one, and I don't know. It's a pretty lackluster type of game. I, I can't whole... get too too excited about no. Going well, it was into it. it was a it was a horrific game. So if you missed this game, you missed basically nothing. Thing. You missed, you know, look, some of the Freeman. I mean, look, if you look at it from a Fremantle perspective, so you start with the winners. Cox was good. Um, Sutcliffe, Mundy, you know, Walters, that, they were fine. Everything was fine. But they were, they, these, they were both so poor on the day. So it is very hard to take much out of it. I think Port have done enough this year. They're not going to play like this for the rest of the year. They're not going to just completely bottom out. They'll, they'll, they'll be fine. But I, it, it's sh- it was shocking to see, especially while there's an, a mind-blowing game going on. Yeah. There's well, a Nahas award for it. Award, uh, Cam McCarthy mm-hmm. went at 100% efficiency, but only had four touches. Yeah, four is probably in uh, style. Uh, only one goal, probably not what you need from a key forward. No, but, um, well, he's been struggling for weeks now. Has mate. been struggling for weeks. I think the end of the year and a break can't come quick enough for some of these players to refresh and start a new season next year as soon as they get a fit Fife and a couple other players back. So it'll be interesting to see how Frio turn their season around and look towards next year. I agree with you about your comments about Port. I think it was just one of those games where too many players turned their brain off, didn't go in there with the right intensity and mm. are paying for it to, uh, in a big way. But that might have, you know, look, they might look at it and think, well, that <laughs> That was the lesson we needed to have, and you just can't have lackluster efforts against anyone, anyone pretty much knows. aside from maybe Carlton and Gold Coast. They're probably the only two you can get away with it. Whereas, you know, Freya are an okay side. They've so got enough especially good at home. Players. Yeah, and they've got enough good senior players to at least put a scare in the, in yeah. the camp. But yeah, just, no. 
Yeah. So we, we better keep moving because, again, it, it's not, they're not a game that, that's really worth going too heavily into. I'd, I'd need to see this happen again next week for Port to really then go, hang on, what? That was not a you know a one-off. And look, Fremantle yeah. are out of finals contention. So it's, have been it's, for a while. Yeah, they have been for a little bit, realistically. But, this is, so, yeah, but good on them. Good on them. Just scrap yeah, the win. That's it for young players. Just have a bit of confidence going into the preseason in next year. The only major aspects out of it are really are the injuries, and that's something yeah. we'll talk about in the previous. So Absolutely. Thanks so much for listening guys really appreciate it check out hopstahome.com.au thank you Mr. Smith thank you Trent um, also rate and review us on uh, iTunes, iTunes. Any, any platform helps definitely it helps get the dive out there helps it put it up the charts that would be great yeah and then as always get in contact with us via social media if you've got any questions or tell us what you like or don't like and what you want to hear more of cheers cheers